This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 19. How are you guys doing? Coming to you live and direct from the North Shore of Oahu. Uh, We're here for our annual trip. We usually come out here for two, three weeks, post up on the North Shore, surf, hang out, do our usual thing, see our friends. Uh, We're lucky enough to be hosted uh, by our friends, uh, Melissa and Tyler, who have an amazing place out in backyards, uh, which made us fall in love with the North Shore and why one eventually move here. The surf has kind of been sporadic, to be honest. Uh, it's been either small and calm or super big and wind, uh, wind busted. I've had a couple of good days at Lonnie's, uh, Sunset, Freddy's. Uh, I think I'm going to be surfing the west side over the next two weeks uh, here and there. Uh, but hey, I don't have to wear a wetsuit. It's beautiful. Uh, you wind up catching less waves here, but the waves I think you catch here are a lot better than what I catch back home. Part of the reason I love it here so much. I've been riding this uh, seven six Devin Howard egg that I brought with me that I think I'm going to leave here, and uh, get uh, a version of it uh, for home. Uh, but it's been amazing. Been getting used to it. Uh, different fin setups for different waves and seeing how that works. I'm still kind of 50/50 on. Uh, foot placement all that but it's still a really fun uh, board to ride uh speaking of mr devin howard that's who we have on the episode this week uh devin and his wife were gracious enough to invite me to their home in uh, north san diego county where we looked at his quiver which is one of the most amazing quivers i've ever seen in my life and just talked about random surfing things you know where he comes from uh, what he's doing now, things that are going on in the surf community, how we can help uh, things move along. It's, it was a really great thing that we did because it was more of a conversation than an interview. And that's always been my goal is to have conversations, not interviews. I think interviews with like a list of questions feel kind of shitty. Uh, so he spoke forever. And I think there's a lot of stuff that I edited out uh, that I might revisit at some point but uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, the other thing that was really cool about Devin is he picked a bunch of songs for this episode. Usually I ask people to pick four or five songs. He gave me an entire playlist, and I'm going to ask him if it's cool if I put a link to the playlist because it's pretty amazing. So you're going to have to guess which one of the songs are his and which ones I picked uh, because the funny thing is his taste was right on line with my taste, so it's pretty cool to, to see that playlist come through. We also have some short takes this week. Uh, the first short take is having to do with Kelly Slater's wave pool being part of the CT circuit. Uh, we don't cover competitive surfing too much here, uh, but I think it's it's worth a discussion because it has ramifications for other things. Uh, the second thing is this video that TCSS put out with Mick Rogers about living in a van uh, and surfing. It came out about six months ago, but I just found it, um, and I don't think a lot of people have seen it, so I want to talk about it. And the last thing is uh, all the shark breaches we're having in Southern California and that they're getting posted online and people are freaking out and we're going to talk a little bit about that but let's do the housekeeping right now this is the Bodega Board Crew Podcast volume 19 episode 19 uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew make sure to check out our page bodegabordercrew.podbean.com or the full description on your iTunes player uh, where we have track listings links to things that we're talking about links to things that we're covering with the people we're talking with also video clips of them and other things that they're into 
Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to get into the tracks and then I'll check in with you guys in a little bit for the interview. Peace. You go through other albums, you 
crew standing over in the light showing growing on the top glowing the lyrics be flowing and flowing and just flowing just like a river or better yet a stream i'm proud to be down with the winning team so don't ever in your life even think about an argument because you'll get walked on like coffee we'll pick you up and dust you off stamp bdp on your head and you're off but you won't even change that to say instead i'm down because i got a bdp on my head so just before you inherit that ass kicking i suggest you wait right up because you're slipping 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 yo they slipping though they slipping though they slipping right up With the program greetings It seems that I've forgotten your name But it seems that she's done the same And now something has happened Suddenly she's been distracted By something that has been attracted She poked and poked and smacked at it Then she broke down and she scratched it Now I think you understand Clint saw the doctor flex his biceps Then he picked up a pair of forceps Frown and the Jimmy hates that. Saw huh. so the fair maiden in the royal bedroom. Caught the king scratching, so she had to assume that he got evicted by the enemy's trick. The thought of cheating made the maiden so sick that she screamed to scream. Went on and kept screaming and threw a pot, and his dome was beaming. You can hear him yelling in the motherland. Baby, baby, please, baby, understand. She ignored and walked through the gate. The king is in the kingdom to away his fate of the enemy. The beauty began to be. Listen to me. What? Something is lurking by the Jim Brown scheme. Who, Jenny? No, not populated. A horrible creature that must be penetrated. He gets on to ya. Really tries to do ya. You better run fast. He's going up pursuit. What? Yo, listen here. Pop Master Wiz. No one fears. Okay, bro. That's all I let you know. How he lives and how he go. Watch yourself when you're out on the run. The enemy is must have too much fun. The four friends of mine who thought they were bad are laid off the stirrups and now they're sad.
I'm flipping, flapping, ripping up the rapid. Look at the way I kick it. I'm wicked, it happened. One night in Manhattan, chilling, bugging. Me and some of the crew went around to this clubbing. Peeped it, scoped it, hoped the bitch was rocking. Stunned by the bunch, had the hunch they was clocking. Stepped up, pressed up, then up, got some feedback. Honey got done, then begun talking to me, Jack. I kicked slank to her, all my niggas knew her. I wanted to gas ahead and take her back to the sewer. To do her, screw her. I knew I had to hush when I felt my belly drop on the spot. Turned to mush, um, shush, shush. I needed me a bush. I felt Lucy bubbling, bubbling my tush. Then the gush came gushing, crushing, splat. The juice hit my DVDs quick like that. Smack. I really broke my dish from behind. Tried to shake it, fake it. But yo, I couldn't hide from Lucy. I remember Lucy. Passionate times are so real. Sometimes I try to chill, mellow down, blow a smoke. A smile on my face, but it's really no joke. You feel it in the street that people breathe without hope. They're going through the motion, they're dimming down the focus. The focus get cleared, and the light turns sharp, and the eyes grow teary. The mind grow weary. I speak it so clearly, sometimes y'all don't hear me. I push it past the base, no nations got to feel me. I feel it in my bones, black. I'm so wide awake that I'm hardly ever asleep. My flow forever deep, and it's volumes of scriptures when I breathe on a beat. My presence speak volume before I say a word I'm everywhere, penthouse, pavement, a curb Cradle to the grave, so cathedral of a shell Universal ghetto life, holla black, you know it well Quiet storm, vital form, pen push the bright across Mind is a vital force, high level right across Soul is the lion's roar, voice is the siren I swing round, ring out, and bring down the tyrant Chop a small axe and knock a giant lopsided The world is so dangerous, there's no need for frightening The suckers trying to hide like the struggle won't find them Then the sun busts through the clouds They clearly remind them this A-Ware Penthouse pavement and curb Cradle to the grade Talk of each of a shell Universal ghetto life Holla black you know it well What it is You know They know what it is We know Y'all know what it is Ecstatic There it is Huh What it is You know We know what it is They know Y'all know what it is You know Here 
what it is. You know, we know what it is. They know, y'all know what it is. You'll know, here it is. Sit and come relax, riddle of the Mac, it's the patch. I'm a soldier in the middle of Iraq. But say about noonish, coming out the whip and looking at me curious, a young Iraqi kid. Carrying laundry, what's wrong, G? Hungry? No, give me my oil, get out my country. And in Arabian, barking other stuff till his moms come grab him and they walk off in a rush. Distrust, feeling like I was pissed up on wound. I'm like, surely hope that we can fix our differences soon. Bye. Buying apples, hun breaking on. Brute, you take everything, why not just take the damn foot like pasta? I don't understand it. On another planet? Uh -huh. 15 months of this stuff, how I'm gonna manage? And increasing this sentiment, gentlemen, getting down on their Middle Eastern instruments. Realize trapping this crowd, huh? Walk over, kicked one of my fabulous raps. Daddy, daddy. Arab jaw drop, they well wish, they glad rap. Now they kick considered like an Elvis of Baghdad. <laughs> What it is, you know, they know what it is, we know, y'all know what it is, ecstatic, there it is, huh, what it is, you know, we know what it is, they know, y'all know what it is, you know, here it is, what it is, you know, we know what it is, they know, y'all know what it is, you know. This is a mission, not a small time thing. Let me tell you about what happened when the phone went. Well, I was cooling at the crib with this girl, Suzanne. And everything was going just according to plan when the phone rang. Yo, I couldn't believe it, told myself to ignore it. Forget it, leave it. Just when things just started going great, it rang again. I said, hold up, wait. Picked up the phone, yeah, who the hell is this? Somebody said this is serious business. There's a tape in the mailbox between your doors. Take the tape from the box and put it in yours. I listened to the tape and my mouth just dropped. I picked up the phone, but the man hung up and said, yo, this tape will self-destruct. I pressed the jack, but the tape was stuck. Oh, well, what the heck? I just cleaned up the mess. Opened up the closet, got the bulletproof vest. Loaded up the sword off, the double barrel, the Rambo knife with the hunting apparel. Threw on the trench, kissed the girl good. Bye. She said, special ed, don't go, you might die. Started crying and hugging on me, so I shot her. I said, sorry, baby, but I gotta do what I gotta. You're on a mission, do what I gotta. You're on a mission. You're on a mission, do what I gotta. You're on a mission. You're on a mission, do what I gotta. You're on a mission. This is a mission, not a small time thing. 
Took the express on an Air Force jet. The thoughts in my mind broke me out into sweat. I was thinking of the message again and again. In particular, the name of Lu Chin Chen. Yo, I landed in Japan with intent to kill. You could tell I wasn't joking by the look on my grill. Took a look at a picture of the man that I was after. A five foot ten black belt karate master. Knew where to find him, knew where he would be. I turned around and showed enough, Mr. Chen found me. I looked him in the eye with the stare so cold and said, I came to avenge for the rhymes you stole. Now, you must die because that is my mission. He flipped back, got into a fighting position. The tiger style of shit was wild. He threw his hands in the air. He started to smile. I said, you can smile now, but you won't for long. Cause sucker, you'll be sorry that you stole my song. He said, choose your style. I broke fool. I said, what? Pulled out the knife, tried to shove it in his gut. It didn't even cut. I flipped. I started bugging. Pulled out the handgun. I shot a slug in his chest. He said, Buddha, blessing, stood proud. Out shot the bullet. Mr. Chen just bowed. So I shot him again. Yo, I couldn't believe. Mr. Chen caught the bullet in his two front teeth. Yo, he kicked me on the floor just like I was a child. I got fed up. I fought a flatbush style. Stood to my feet, threw my hands to the sky. Shake them, then I fake them, then I caught him in the eye. He started stumbling. Yo, I started wilding. He tripped. Busted his lip. I started smiling. Knew he was defeated, but I wasn't done yet. So I shot him with the shotty, then I jetted in the jet. You're on a What is up, everybody? We are back. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 19. Some pretty fun tracks in there. Uh, ended it with uh, The Mission by Special Ed. Uh, Special Ed was kind of big when I was a kid, uh, mostly because he was from around our neighborhood and went to, I believe, Fort Tilden High School and all that. And uh, uh, his singles and mixtapes were being passed around since... I can't even remember when. Uh, so I've always been a big fan of his. I love his little verse that he did on the Crooklyn Dodgers soundtrack uh, with Buckshot and uh, Mass Race. Uh, it was pretty dope, um, but I had to play that song. I hope you've been enjoying some of the other tracks. Can you guess which ones Devin picked? Uh, I know. I'd like to know if you could pick that out. But anyway, I want to get into this interview. Uh, so Devin Howard has been one of the people that I've looked up to the most in surfing uh, just because not just because it's for a lot of reasons but one of the big reasons is he really does ride everything and he's a he's a big proponent of uh, his egg that he's designed with Donald Takayama but also you know a lot of these uh, logs that he's worked on with different people including Donald and uh, Tyler Herdzikian and stuff like that uh, he has one of the best styles I think he's very versatile uh, if you get a chance to, you have to watch uh, One California Day, uh, which he's in. 
and I believe he narrates. Uh, that's what turned me on to him at first. And uh, so this is a conversation I had with him at his house in uh, Northern County, San Diego, uh, just about surfing and things. Uh, so here it goes. Hope you guys enjoy. Where did you uh, grow up and start surfing? Well, I was, I was born in San Diego. My, my mom and dad are from Rhode Island. They uh -huh. came out here in 1970. Um, drove out the yellow van, just the classic story. And um, my mom is a surfer. She met my dad surfing uh, at Second Beach in Middletown, Rhode Island. Okay. And they had some friends out here, so um, you know they wanted some adventure in their life, and they they were trying to choose between Santa Cruz and San Diego. And um, tough choice. Tough choice. Yeah, I mean, both places were pretty amazing, and um, my dad was trying to go to school. And also go to school in, in Riverside. The first place they got to was Riverside. Awful smog. I mean, this is 1970. So, Smog's yeah. at its peak. And yeah. It's insane. And that was the moment where they went, okay, well, I have some friends in San Diego. My mom said this. Uh -huh. Or I have some friends in Santa Cruz. And, well, San Diego was a lot shorter drive. So they yeah. just ended up coming down this way. And one of her good friends had married Floyd Smith of okay. Gordon and Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so they just got right into it in Ocean Beach, Sunset Cliffs and the whole thing. And um, I was born a few years later. I was born in 74. And so the first few years of my life were in Ocean Beach. At the time, it was kind of a, ha a sort of a haven and, and gathering place for really bad shit like hell's angels oh shit heroin really just kind of a bad scene uh-huh so you know it was pretty apparent to my folks that we need to move somewhere else to raise our kids. yeah yeah so they ended up moving inland to this place called la mesa for a few years then el cajon and then by age seven my mom said you know I, this is too far inland i'm, I'm a surfer so we ended up in University City, which is just right by La Jolla. I mean, as the crow flies, it's only a few miles from the beach. Uh -huh. But you had to kind of go there by, by way of freeway. You couldn't exactly ride your bike there. Okay. Um, so I'd say, <clears throat> I don't know, from early on, the very early days, riding boogie boards at Ocean Beach and then La Jolla Shores later when we moved to University City. Uh -huh. Started um, surfing when I was seven. Okay. Uh, seven or eight. Uh, got our got our first board from Floyd Smith. He had a oh, wow. soft top company at the time. I believe it was called Mason and Smith. I could have the name wrong, uh -huh. but it had like this kind of like Christian like fish on it. Wow! And it looked like a Jerry Lopez. Um, uh -huh. It looked like that Alex Nose board sitting behind you, just like a '70s pintail board. Mm -hmm. So that's what we learned on for the first few years, and then uh, I think I was in fifth grade. And my parents upgraded to a Tony Staples, Trifin, you know, like a classic kind of... You look back on it now, it looks like something Aki would have ridden. Oh, wow. Um, in that sort of like 83, 84 range. Yeah. And kind of rolled with that for a few years. Uh, got another board or two like it. And then when I was... I think I was 14. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm battling a cold as well. Uh, or allergies. <laughs> from all this weather change. Yeah. Uh, I broke my back. Uh, it, it wasn't like horrible, but I, I fractured my, uh, is it the L5, I think it is? It's the lowest one. Like Whoa. Three fractures. Um, 
I won't bore you with the story of how I broke it, but I broke it. So I was out of the water for a while, and oh. I was I was beached. And a few years before that, I'd become friends with some neighborhood kids. One kid's name is Joel Tudor. Uh-huh. He's two years younger than me. I was his brother's age, Josh. They were literally a dozen houses down the street and around the corner. And we kind of... There was a group of brothers. There was the Tudors. There was there were the Jokas and the Bars. There was four groups of brothers. Whoa. Where we were all all the older brothers were in the same grade and all the younger brothers were in the same grade, oh, just separated cool. by two years. And so we had this really neat neighborhood experience of really into surfing. Obviously, we're not right at the beach, so surfing was you know going to be predicated on the ride we could get from somebody's parents. Yeah, at that age. <laughs> yeah. So when we weren't doing that, we were just like any other kids. We were skateboarding, like most kids that age would do, or BMX but we really fell into skateboarding Wait, what years was that around mm, it was like the mid 80s mid to late 80s okay so it's like when Santa Cruz was like kind of big and like yeah poor shapes were changing and like yeah one of our neighborhood uh, kids was Peter Hewitt who was a really well known yeah, skateboarder <laughs> and he was sponsored by Santa Cruz and, and you know they didn't pay him but they gave him a lot of products so he more or less had a skate shop in his bedroom, and we would just buy all yeah. the stuff from him. Well, that's the indirect way back in the day of them paying people. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. they're like, look, we can't legally pay you. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to send you 20 boards. What you do with them is your business. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smart. So, you know, we had this whole skate scene, and um, n- none of us were particularly great skateboarders. I-, I would say most of us were more, you know high-level sidewalk surfers uh-huh. you know like we would ollie at most or grind the curb but we weren't and and a few of us got better joel got better my younger brother got better um and then um but it really always came back to surfing you know like the skateboarding and the lines we drew and we made our own skateboards i mean we, we i still have them somewhere we made these longboard skateboards and we try to emulate skip fry and that young and you know sidewalk mm-hmm. surfing and then um but the, the how I got into longboarding was back to when I broke my back. Uh-huh. And I was sidelined. I went to the beach one day with the tutors. We went to San Onofre. We were sitting at kind of inside the left in what they call four-door now. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I, it was against doctor's orders and everything. I just got sick of sitting on the beach. Uh-huh. And I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to paddle around on this longboard. I, I, I grabbed one of Joel's boards and at the time there were no single fin no one was logging at least in that group the the amount of people riding old single fin longboards was a handful of folks on the coast in in obscurity this was a beautiful you know Takayama uh, side bites Uh, I think it was what he calls his speed shape or his DT1 Mm -hmm. and you know these are the boards that and Joel was just kind of freshly joined the team Okay. Uh, he, he was really new to the team. Right before that, he was riding Walden surfboards, which were very high performance boards. Yeah, the Magic model was it was in full effect in that time. <laughs> and yeah, so I got into longboarding that day, and it just it, it, it there was a feeling that was sort of indescribable. I was like, wow, this really is fun, you know. And I yeah. we'd watched Joel surf and. It wasn't that anyone thought it was lame. It was just, it really was associated with something that old people did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was extremely uncommon to see anyone in their teens, for sure, riding a longboard. Um, and so th- there ended up being a, a, an appeal to it. And 
I can't speak for Joel, but I'd imagine sort of the appeal to him was the the punk rock nature. Even though you're not trying to be punk rock, it's the same attitude of if everyone's doing this, mm-hmm. well, and f you, I'm going to do something a different way. That's kind of I think skateboarders did that. I think punk yeah, rockers. That's... I think hip hop started from that. I think mean, there's a lot of there's a commonality there of. Mm-hmm you know here's yeah. the herd I'm yeah. going somewhere else yeah it's reactionary like essentially it's and, yeah. and it's it is when I hear that statement it's like more that's actually more punk rock than someone having a mohawk because <laughs> everyone has a mohawk right so yeah. like like if you're like okay like everybody's being like all like mohawked out in the 80s or whatever and like spray painting their like shortboards yeah the person like you're saying who's writing yeah. like a traditional like actually is way more punk rock because they're doing something that no one else is yeah. doing oh yeah so I ended up I believe it was that board. It could be wrong, or one that looked like it. I was I convinced um, the Tudor family to sell me that board, uh-huh. and and I, and then Joel introduced me to Donald, and I kind of forged my own friendship and relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, which in the in the coming years, uh, you know, Joel ended up leaving and traveling the world, and um, you know, here I was just back like a normal kid, going to high school, working mm-hmm. at a gas station, and. Just got, you know, without boring you all the details, just got inspired the same way I think anybody does today. The only, I'd say the market difference is, is there wasn't access to a lot of information. So the, the accessing inspo for, well, you know, I knew longboarding had some history and some roots, but there was limited info and it was like by way of In the Summer, the film. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while Joel would bring back films that he got from I think Dick McCoy or somebody over in Australia where you I don't know if they were considered bootlegs but they were they were films of bygone era Mm -hmm. that there was no internet it didn't exist then and so you know we would all when he'd bring them home we'd sit around and and watch a lot of these videos Um, some of us would get our hands on old magazines old surfer magazines Mm -hmm. but you know outside of that it was kind of You'd run into people um, at club events, you know, there were club yeah. surf contests, and for the most part, folks riding longboards were, were emulating shortboarding, and that was state of the art, you know, because mm-hmm. my understanding was at the time is shortboarders hated longboarding, yeah. and so the mindset was well, these boards are fun, you can nose ride on, but if I could rip on it, then maybe I won't be called the F word, yeah. which is not politically correct yeah, word yeah. anymore, which yeah. I was called many times, uh-huh. um, among other names, yeah. <laughs> um, the same way that people feel about SUPs and now more recently foil boards, yeah. which are awful. Yeah. And um, so it kind of fight through that and you thought, well, I'm going to earn the respect by doing the hardest bottom turn possible and smashing the lip. Mm-hmm. So I remember paddling out at Wind and Sea when I was 15 and seeing this guy, Mike Myers, uh, his nickname is The Animal, and anyone that was longboarding in the 90s will remember the Iron Cross ads and the longboard magazine photos mm-hmm. of this, you know, buff, strong guy with long hair and would just annihilate the waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few other people like Jeff Kramer and Joey Hawkins and the Paskowitz and... Reese Patterson, all these really fantastic surfers that were in their own right amazing shortboarders who also liked to longboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just, you know, you weren't really exposed to people that rode longboards the way that we think of it now. You know, so much work's been done by mm-hmm. 
Joel Tudor and all the different groups of folks out there that have put in their time to really dedicate their lives to saying, hey, this type of surfing is, is a tradition that's worth keeping alive, like traditions of many other cultures, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of folks that don't value tradition. I think in America, we're all about on to the next thing. You know, yeah. We're very disposable. We're okay. We're okay with ditching things from the past. And it's, you know, we're a progressive society. You know, the majority of people drive new cars. The majority of people buy new shit all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the, the idea of traditional longboarding, I think it's, it's just hard for a lot of people to get behind it. But that did change, as we all know. Some years ago, that changed. We don't need to go through all that history. We all know that story. Yeah. So, but, you know, putting in the context of the time, um, growing up at, in an era where if you really wanted the respect of your peers, and honestly, they still didn't really respect you. You're still a freaking longboarder. Yeah. They're still putting this label on you. Right. Yeah. But the, the coolest thing you could do was to rip and to not wear a leash. Yeah. And at the very least, okay, don't wear a freaking leash because... Um, that's the only like thing to sort of offset it. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, at least you're taking some risk. Um, Here's a question though. You mentioned like about the magazines and Joel have like you guys hunting for it. Nowadays we have stuff like Instagram and we have like all this like Facebook and we have social media and we have like a zillion things. Um, is it almost like the parallel I draw to it is almost like like punk rock music or like indie music like back in the day you'd have to like find a record store and you'd have to look at zines and you'd have to really make a commitment to wanting to be into something nowadays it's like with music you could just like hey I could go on iTunes I could go on Spotify and I could pick one song and a zillion songs that are like it and I could find out a bunch of bands is it maybe do you think it's too easy that people aren't like quote unquote paying their dues to get into it or is it a good thing that it's easy that people get exposed to it um you know, it just depends which side you are. If, if if you're on the salty local old guy side, yeah, it's too easy, you know. Yeah. Um, but that that position gets pretty tiring, um, having to be that person hanging on that hard. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think it's nice that there's access to it, and there are folks who are new to it, and you know, they they can decide for themselves if it's interesting to them or not, you know. And, and there's a lot of choices. I think the cool thing is that there's access to a lot more stuff. And now younger folks, as they should, will take that and say, hmm, I think that's really cool. But what if we do this in addition? And that's where you get the sort of next generation of kids that, mm-hmm. you know, can do tricks and some other things. I, personally, I'm not into tricks. Maybe that's just because I can't do them. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, I, my, my point of view on longboarding is maybe a bit different because to me it's, it's about, it was always about style, doing it smoothly and not about showboating and showing off. It was about understatement Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's just like a style of dance. It's like Mm -hmm. ballroom or you take your choice versus a hip hop style Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, jazz dancing or something that just has a bit more flair. Is one yeah. better than the other? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's a personal choice. But um, it doesn't really, honestly, I think it's pretty cool that people can access these things mm-hmm. because you can, you know, you can sort of, the learning curve is shortened. And I think that's okay, you mm-hmm. know, because um, 
surfing can take a really fucking long time to learn. It's yeah. very difficult. <laughs> yeah. And imagine if you're just going down and, and taking your beatings on your own and have no references really um, outside of that time at the beach. Um, you know, it, it's nice that your friends could catch up to you. Now the flip side of it too is if I want to be, uh, you know, build the wall and keep everyone out, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as a kid, yeah, there were no surf camps. There was no one to help you. There were no surf instructors. Uh, people would want you to get the hell out of their... Just leave. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. I, I remember growing up, it was not a warm... It was not a warm welcome. Yeah. Um, I still have these kind of scary visions of these big, hairy guys that, you know, were more or less saying, get out of the way. Yeah. Get the F out of here. Yeah. You know? Or um, go in. Yeah. No, no, it still happens today. I think it's less and less. I mean, look, I'm talking from someone who started four years ago, so like I've kind of seen it in the beginning. I mean, the thing that I always tell people, I was like, if you want to learn, really learn to surf, just accept that the first two years are going to be miserable. And if you could get past that, it's at least that's my perspective, it's the most magical, amazing thing that you're going to be hooked on bigger than any drug. Well, it's, I mean, it, we all know this. There's nothing new about this statement, but it, it is one of the hardest things to learn. And I've, <coughs> I've mixed it up with other athletes of other endeavors, most recently climbing and, um, you know, took some of those folks surfing. Mm-hmm. And these are high-level climbers, pro, yeah. you know, think yeah. of any pro athlete, and they're the best of the best. And they said, hands down, the hardest thing I've ever done. It's humbling. Surfing. It's hum- <laughs> I think that's what's good about it for me. You know, when I jumped into it, and other people I've seen who've jumped into it, it's like, it's a good kind of humbling. Yeah. Like, it brings you back to kind of earth. You're kind of like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just learning how to walk, no matter what I thought I knew how to do. I mean, look, even for some people, like, look, I skated, like, my whole life. And, like, my friends who are pro skaters, like, I've taken them out. And they're like, oh, I want yeah. to learn how to surf. And, like, they can't... They're like, after one day, they're like, yeah, I'm not ever doing this again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's frustrating. It's almost yeah. better in a way for me when you see that, too. When you see someone who's, like, so good at something they think is going to automatically translate. Like, they're like, oh, like, I'm a pro skater. Like, I could surf. And then all of a sudden, they're like, wow, this really sucks. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've been, I, I don't know what you're interested in covering today. And, you know, we, I've been through lots of different little eras and, um, it's always been on the fringe, you know, and and, and then now you see um, it's not on the fringe, you know, mm-hmm. and and in some ways I think there's folks out there who wish that, you know, they were able to be a bit more of some of these things that are happening. There's certain brands out there that I'm not going to name them, mm-hmm. but they were very not into the things that I'm describing from earlier yeah. and not supportive. And, and now they are. You know, because um, they saw that there's an opportunity that that more people I, I identify with the sorts of things that longboarding um, bring along. You know, which is just people like the idea of minim- minimalizing their lives mm-hmm. and and having things be less complicated. And I think that's the appeal to longboarding. It's it's not super complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Sure, there's probably now there's some cool guy circles within longboarding, but by and large, the average person that enjoys longboarding, they do it because there is a less competitive feeling. Yeah, um, uh, it's it, it's expressive because it is 
like skateboarding, I guess, you know, style does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is, I mean, if you don't, if you, if you longboard and don't work on your style, then um, kind of what's the point? You yeah. know, like, because if you want to rip, there's way better boards for, for ripping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and so, no, I agree. And, and there's something really nice about when you start a wave and end it and don't fuck it up. Mm-hmm. There's a real sense of accomplishment there, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why. Um, and maybe that's just the human nature. You know, we, we I say I've said this before. Like it's um, we're curious about um, solving problems, mm-hmm. or making things, or or building and doing things and not screwing it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really what's pretty interesting about longboarding is, wow, and and. and Every little movement I make, I could throw my, I could throw the whole thing off, and I could start winding up, you know, rolling up the window, yeah. so to speak, where your arms are flailing in the air. Yeah. And when you look at the masters over time, that was the bar that measured how how good one was. And it's it, it is human nature to set a goal and to achieve it and kind of measure up to those around you, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. We do that. Yeah. And um, a flawless ride does that and you can see that even in shortboarding mm-hmm. look at a perfect tube ride yeah you know Jerry Lopez probably the best example of that and that carries on to today it carried on through Tom Curran um, it carries on with the way that guys tube ride and do the no claim claims you yeah. know like really casual and slinky style mm-hmm. um, I would say you know John John embodies that you yeah know, he takes all of those things in the most modern sense and there we are still with the perfect ride where you don't see any any hiccups, mm-hmm. you know. And um, shortboarding is just a more radical, progressive um, expression or version of that of, right. of the perfect ride, you know. Yeah. And, and I don't know. The, it really comes down to the types of waves, where you live, and mm-hmm. what are you surfing, you know. Um, riding a single fin longboard every day in Hawaii is completely possible. Like you can do it. But you're going out of your way to do that. You know, yeah, you're you're, you're, you're you're searching out the breaks, dude. You're not exactly doing that every day on the North Shore. That's not going to happen. No. Yeah, but if you wanted to, you could drive to the South Shore. Or yeah. You could drive to the West Side or East Side. Mm-hmm. But, you, man, you'd be missing some incredible waves yeah. that probably better enjoyed on different types of equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, But Southern California, I mean, majority of the time... You could show up with your single fin longboard and have a great time. Yeah. Um, how often is it overhead high? Not it's like maybe five, ten times a year. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know. And maybe less actually. <laughs> now I'm thinking about this last yeah. season. I'm like, it was maybe twice. Yeah. It, well, let's just even say you have 24 days a year yeah. that are overhead. Yeah. You know, um, that's a lot of other times where yeah. you can be struggling, um, and so no, that's that's the thing that still attracts me to riding longboards now um there are other extensions like the egg boards that we were looking at when you walked in my house mm-hmm. um those are those are a natural extension of longboarding and they make a lot of sense yeah um, the types of lines you draw they f- they feel familiar but mm-hmm. the arc is much shorter obviously yeah um and it's not as radical of a shift as going from a progressive shortboard to a longboard I think it's hard for most people. For, for me, it is, and, and the reason that it is is, is the rocker. You're you're used to a certain rocker profile. Yeah. With longboarding, it's very low. Yeah. When you get to a shortboard, you have this progressive sort of exaggerated rocker where yeah. 
there's almost a feeling of pushing water because you're used to not having to pump a board mm -hmm. to make it go. Yeah. And so that, that transition throws people off. When they get on a fish or an egg, like, oh, okay, well, this, this feels familiar. Like, I, right. I, I, can, I, I can understand this, mm -hmm. and, and the change isn't as, uh, isn't as challenging. Um, but um, I don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Where are we going? Uh, I don't know. Um, with longboarding, uh, you've worked, obviously, with, like, a bunch of shapers. You know, uh, you've had models from different people. Who are some of the favorite people that, like, you've worked with? Well, as I said before, Donald Takayama was the best ever, but just because um, it, anyone's had the pleasure to meet Donald, mm -hmm. it, there's nobody like him. He's the funniest, most witty, most energetic, most badass guy you've met. He, he really embodied everything really good about the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. you know? And we really miss him. He's been gone for five years now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, the thing with Donald is you're going to get the board really that he wants to make you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you and I think that we all know some shapers like that. And I, look, that comes with older age. Mm -hmm. You know, um, master shapers like him, Skip Fry, I can go down the list. Yeah. You know, there's there's some... There's some parameters there. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can give them the size and the model, but if you start getting really specific on, look, now I want the rail really foiled, or I want the rocker to kick up here, and they'll be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> I'm gonna, they won't, yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't want to hear that. And so, that was sort of the, uh, the other side of Donald that was challenging because it was like you had ideas and you wanted to do certain things, and mm -hmm. there was some limitations there because, who are you, to tell? You know, yeah, master. <laughs> yeah, is Luke telling Yoda what to do? No, not at all. No, uh, <laughs> you can ask some questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, knew his place, <laughs> but, but you know, so um, I still uh, am on the Takayama team. Uh -huh. um, I've been involved with Donald on and off. You know, through my teens, I I, I started buying the boards. Then I got sponsored by David Craig for a few years yeah. through Mitch's Surf Shop. And then I'd say from 19 on, I was a Takayama guy. I, went, I worked there. I wrapped the boards. I picked the dog crap, got everybody lunch, did the whole thing, and stuck with Donald all the way till today. Still really close with the family and the whole crew that makes the boards. We have a model that's done very, very well. Like, totally, I, honestly, I'm shocked how well it's doing is the Howard Special Mini, which is... It's just a slightly tweaked version of his trifin egg. There's just some little subtle differences in the rocker and the bottom contour mm -hmm. and the finish. Um, but it, it is a different board, but from, from afar, it's it, if you liked his trifin egg that he always mm -hmm. made, it's very, very similar. Mm -hmm. um, and But, you know, with Donald not being there and, and personally me getting older and having this... The sun is sort of setting on my abilities, you uh -huh. know, like I'm still surfing at what I would consider a high level at uh -huh. almost 44 years of age. And I'm not cross training. I'm not doing anything, to be honest. I just try to stay healthy and don't, you know, you know, we eat well. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you like to, to like, so in the 40s, like what, what has kept you like in, in shape to do it? I mean, um, I mean, you're saying like you don't cross train. I mean, I think... A lot of things, but I think attitude is a big part of it. I think there's a big mental part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, once you 
like I'll make some jokes that I'm old, but I don't believe I'm old. Like mm -hmm. I, I might say, oh, I'm older than you. Do a few wisecracks. Mm -hmm. I'm getting gray hairs now, yeah. but I don't. When I show up and I'm surfing and I, you know, the world I'm seeing and experiences is from the inside out. Mm -hmm. You know, once I look in the mirror, I go, oh, shit, I am a lot older. <laughs> yeah. Like that's crazy that there's all this gray hair coming mm -hmm. in my beard. But yeah, I just did a pretty as hard of a cutback as I've done maybe even the hardest in my life just this last two weeks ago like mm -hmm. I did one of the craziest cutbacks and I was like shit I'm still like how is this happening I still never would imagine it and I think it's attitude uh -huh. is number one you know number two is diet but my, you know I'm not a hardcore diet person I was a vegetarian for almost 14 years all through my 20s and into my early to mid 30s and then I felt an energy shift and I started eating meat and honestly and I don't think it's psychological I started feeling better I think mm -hmm. it saved me and um, I don't think that my body type was meant to be a vegetarian I got injured a lot I was low on energy to be honest, I wasn't a very good cook, so I don't think I was doing it properly. I think oh, okay. I was eating too many beans and breads and stuff like that. So like heavy starches in a way, yeah. Yeah, and it was really damaging. Um, no, and I can it, imagine. It, I mean, it's a lot of people you hear who go vegan. They are like, they're like, oh, well, I'm eating vegan, I'm eating vegan. But if like, you don't do it right, to your point, it's, it's like you're dead. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And I think... The thing with diet is simple. You have to listen to your body. And I, I think vegan works for people. I've seen it. Their, yeah. their skin looks radiant. <laughs> their their hair is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for me, it doesn't work. So, I, you know, I do eat, I would say, a healthy diet. I don't eat crappy food. Mm -hmm. I would say I have a whole foods diet. Not whole foods, the brand. But yeah. meaning that don't eat crappy like no um, processed processed garbage yeah um and you know i i don't do drugs um and that, I, <laughs> yeah that would help a lot. you know i <clears throat> i think like everyone I, I smoked a little bit of weed in high school and maybe a few times a year i'll take a little puff at a party right. but i don't care about it mm -hmm. i'm not against marijuana yeah, yeah. by any but it doesn't work for me um i like you know a glass of wine or a beer at night i think is good and coffee in the morning so you know so that's like basically your there's, only advice there's, which yeah, is the, good. yeah there's nothing extraordinary and I think you just don't go over the top of anything um, the other thing too is um, is getting more in tune with your equipment mm -hmm. um, it, you know I, I think I did a really terrible job in my 20s and probably into my mid 30s of really paying attention to my equipment and this is an excuse but I was always I worked a lot, and you know, like I've never got paid to go surfing. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe for a few years in my twenties, a little bit, but nothing even worth talking about. Mm -hmm. But I always, I was a student. I always worked full time. I've had career jobs, mm -hmm. um, and when you're doing that, you, you know, once you get out, it's okay. You can surf in the morning before work or after if you're lucky, mm -hmm. and you just don't have the time to sit there with a shaper. And really daydream and think about right. the designs. Now that sounds like an excuse, but it's just anybody who works a full time job can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And that's why they will go to a shop and buy a board off off rack because they're so good. You walk up, you feel it, you grab it, you're like that. 
that's a good board. You know what you like at that point yeah. and what works for you. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that I missed a lot of... I think my surfing was held back. I got... And some friends have told me they think that my surfing got better later in my life because I really started paying attention to the design and really zeroing in on what works for me and what do I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that really happened in longboarding. You know, I, I started getting some boards from Tyler, even though, you know, talking, I'm a team rider. Um, when, when Donald passed away, I, I, you know, it was like, I, what do I do now? You know, okay, I can get his boards off mm-hmm. the rack. Right. But I'd always wanted to try some of my friend's boards. So mm-hmm. one of the first ones I got was Tyler Hadzeke, and we got a double step deck. That thing blew my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I was nose riding in, 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 in positions on the wave that I, I just wasn't able to get there on the Takayamas for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's my own fault. I just didn't dial in the designs right. with Donald. Um, and then um, I just started trying a lot of other boards. Yeah. You know, and so I would say one of my favorite guys is Tyler Hazikin. Um, the challenge with Tyler is he doesn't make a lot of boards. You know, yes. It's a very low volume. Anyone who's a customer of his knows that it's a blessing and a curse to love his boards mm-hmm. because they work really fucking good. Yeah. Problem is um, you just can't get them very quickly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we got a couple other boards. Um, he, you know, we ended up progressing with through a few designs to a model that I really enjoyed called the throttle model, um, which was really just, you know, I was like, well, the double step deck was awesome, but maybe we only just need the step up front. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of concave. Everything... Is there no concave on that board? No. Oh, I didn't know. No concave. And maybe he makes it with them, but the ones I got... No, 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 I didn't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, and... My goal in, in in any kind of surfing is to go as fast as possible, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of funny. It's like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't ride a longboard. Right. Um, but there are longboard designs um, that go very fast. Yeah. I mean, look at the Skip Fry designs. Those are all about speed. They're, they're, they're anti-nose riding boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like trim machines. Like- they're absolute trim machines. And, and the perfect board to me is a trim machine that can nose ride. That's, that's the holy grail. It's really hard to get there. It's yeah. hard to make that board. And that's something that Tyler and I have had fun working on. Um, there's been a little bit of a gap there. I haven't been able to get a board from him in, I think, two years. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm not mad at Tyler. He's still my best buddy. He was just, you know, at, at our wedding. Yeah. Uh, but I've always, um, not always, but let's just say for a number of years, I've, I've admired what Thomas Bexon is doing mm-hmm. um, from afar. Then I got to meet the guy. Um, I really like Thomas Bexon a lot as an individual Mm -hmm. I like his passion and his shapes are amazing and yeah we don't get a lot of them stateside they're really hard to to find they're super hard to find Um, and what I think is okay first of all either you have an eye for shaping or you don't Mm -hmm. you're an artist or you're not you you look at I can name a bunch of people that don't do high volume like Tyler Warren has an amazing eye you know I don't think he does a high volume of boards but His boards are, the shapes are impeccable. You can just tell the guy's an artist. Yeah. And you just see it down the line. And then you can see people that like, oh, they can shape okay, but they've had to really work at it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just this innate artistic ability of theirs. And I believe Thomas has it. In addition, he has an incredible team of, of guys. He has yeah. um, 
you know, what does he have? Like eight mm-hmm. <laughs> of some of the best longboarders in the world, yeah. you know, from Harrison Roach on down. I mean, everyone on his team is yeah, incredible. Yeah, people, people that could give him really good feedback on, like, oh, like yeah. the best feedback you could possibly get. So you can benefit from that. And um, so he stayed with us. Um, uh, actually, winding back further, I went to Australia a few years ago and he knew I was coming and he anticipated it and he shaped the board for me. Oh. Um, and when I got there, he had a board and, and I loved it. I, I, I took it to a point break in the central coast. Break will shall remain unnamed and <laughs> uh, was just tripping how much fun it was. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was a different feeling than Tyler's boards. And I think that's okay. I'm not. It's not to say that one was better than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did some things better and it, some things it didn't do better. Right. Um, Anyways, love that board. Uh, he came to visit us a bit later, and he and he shaped a board while he was here called the Keeper, and it's it's an Australian involvement design, which mm-hmm. I know you've talked to probably with CJ and yeah, yeah. Joel, and you guys have probably covered that subject in previous podcasts. But the involvement uh, designs, I mean, that's something that's been a personal quest of mine for a very very long time. Um, it goes back to when Joel showed uh, the film uh, Hot Generation. I don't even know how he got a hold of it. It's hard to get nowadays, too. Yeah, and (laughs) that is the single most influential Mm -hmm. media that I've seen, read, experienced, print, video, you name it. That is the one. It all goes back to that. And you can see uh, a little bit of evidence of that when Donald and I worked on a a model in the early 2000s, uh. which is a long time ago, <laughs> called the Howard <clears throat> Special. And that is for this egg that we made. Mm-hmm. And it was, you look at it, you can't really call it an involvement board, but it was an attempt. It was it was really a play off of a, of a early sort of pig shape he had. That I was, was going to say so was a square, Yeah, it was a square tail <clears throat> type of pig. But... Um, wasn't you know there were some pieces to it that weren't quite there an incredible board trim machine turns unreal but it didn't nose ride that well and so that 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 element was always sort of missing Mm -hmm. and you know uh, i go back to things i've written and talked about from the early 2000s and i was very passionate about i really wanted to surf like nat young Mm -hmm. i mean the, the nat young 66 that's it for me it's like there you go that that is surfing or midget farley the Mm -hmm. same era yeah. Like that idea of booging around in the pocket, being able to run out to the nose and be close to the wave face, not out ahead of it and, and sort of levitating, which is more of like the new wave of style. Yeah. Which I think is amazing, but I always kind of fought that design when I rode the Model T. It just didn't speak to me in the way that I served. Did you feel like you were like, if you nose rode on it, you were really out on the shoulder kind of? Yeah, or I think it was more... It wasn't even the nose riding. It was it was more that when I was in the middle or the tail of the board, I was wrestling with it because huh. of the parallel lines yeah, and yeah. the width in the nose. It just, you know, I'm I'm a I would say without sounding like an idiot here, I'm a bit more of a powerful surfer. Mm-hmm. I, I weigh, well, I weigh a lot more now than I used to. Right? <laughs> I weigh like 190. I'm about six one. Mm-hmm. So I've got this frame and this leverage that is an advantage right. that I can use. I'm not. 150 pounds you know where I can't like dance on the board yeah, yeah. and so I think I'll lean toward designs that are 
wide point is back and I can really lay into them. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of nose riding, uh, either because I'm just not good at it or the types of boards I've had, yeah. I just never could really hang out and really kind of lock in and own it, if you will, on yeah. the nose. I see old video footage and I can tell, like, shit, man, I, I'm just blowing it, yeah. you know? And uh, it was not that it was horrible, but I could see that the boards weren't the right ones. And that's why I've said design has been the key to everything to me right now, which is lining up and, and, and trying things until you find what works for you. Because it's just like ice cream. It's like, I might love vanilla. Mm -hmm. I might like French vanilla. You might think it's disgusting. And you're more of a chocolate ice cream person, mm -hmm. but is one wrong? No, but it's, it's like. with surfboards, and yeah. I've had people get on boards that I think are amazing, and they thought it was a total pile. Right? Like, how could you like this thing? So no, I, I mean I've had the uh, the same instance happen to me like a lot where people try my boards and they're like I can't do but this. You, you know, it comes from part of its kinesiology, which is the way I'm built versus the way you're yeah. built. Like, how do you apply pressure on your feet? How do I apply pressure? It's you know, it's gonna I be. might be more heavy in the back. You might be more heavy in the front. Yeah. Now that's going to affect mm -hmm. the board you like to ride. And, no, that makes sense. And so um, I know we're kind of all over the place with no, this discussion, but but I really think dialing in the equipment is, is a part of it. And I have to give <laughs> Thomas Campbell credit because he used to give me a hard time. He, he told me that, dude, you really need to spend time in your designs. Like he, he saw it. He saw the potential uh -huh. and I always just was full of excuses like oh, I'm too busy you know which is bullshit I shouldn't I should have taken the time mm -hmm. to really dial it in and funny enough like the films that he put me in of his almost every session I'm on his board almost, actually, almost every session one of the boards that's on my my, my uh, roof of my car is a board that he worked on oh which one uh, the Nowski oh okay Michelle Janow. it's my favorite board yeah and that Nowski comes from piggish yeah pointy nose it, it comes from Perfect. I'll tell you where it comes from which is the Dano he he had a Dano oh. uh, called the Pignar and if you go back and check out Sprout uh -huh. there's a wave or two where I'm riding an orange board and that's it that is his board it's fucking insane like that board I he's gonna kill me if he I don't know if he was gonna ever listen to this but if he does <laughs> He's gonna kill me because he he'll remember that he gave me that board. Uh -huh. Like he was traveling or something, he had me get the board, and I had it sitting on my patio for months, and I never rode it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was hideous. I was like, "What is that? Thing? It's like <laughs> this weird fin. The fin looked like something out of one of his paintings, you know? Like it yeah, just it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then we so the deal was is we were gonna go on this trip to like New Zealand, Australia, and Indo, and he, you know, we we he wanted me to take the board and bring it on this Indo trip and um, before we got to Indo we were in Australia and I took the board out he waxed up and wrote it we were at Noosa I was there shooting photos I remember very clearly very distinct moment in my life where I rode this board and, and I know Dane Peterson and, and a few other people were there and I don't think I'd ever surfed that well on a longboard in my entire life as I had wow. that moment to that day. Mm -hmm. And it was a real groundbreaking moment. And I was like, 
okay, this guy is on to something. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, yeah. Uh, technically, I'm a better surfer yeah. <laughs> than Thomas, but he's a, he was he was way more switched on and, and had an idea about a design mm-hmm. that um, was very influential to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it was not an involvement board, but he was tapping into elements of it. You know, because he went with this D fin. Mm-hmm. The, the the involvement boards have Greeno influence fins and do yeah. different types of turns. But that wide tail, narrow nose, I, I would say it would, it would nose ride better than any type of Nueva style board that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. You know, with the exception of, of a uber talent like Joel Tudor yeah. or CJ Nelson, um, the average person couldn't nose ride the way those guys could on those yeah. boards. And the reason is, is there's too much area. Yeah. They're fighting it. Yeah. And they're like, I'm getting the Model T or I'm getting these boards because those guys... Um, are killing it on it but the average person is was kind of catching the ears a lot on mm. a simple turn yeah and that was becoming a problem i believe that that pignar uh-huh. was a solution now it did evolve and, and he made that board with michelle Genode, but it's more or less that's where the idea yeah yeah came from. and i've heard that before and it's it's funny mine's like so dinged up to death like i've had it repaired a zillion times like there's another one sitting at mollusk like brand new and i'm like you know what I'm just gonna buy that other one. <laughs> like I'm like I love this board. Like it's like I've never ridden anything like it. I mean, having like what you're saying about the nose rider too is like I have like a an Anderson nose rider and it like I it does one like I don't like it. Like I just like it's it's okay when it's like under two feet like tiny and I just want to go out for fun. Sure. But with that like I learned from that Thomas Campbell shape that they did with Michelle Genot is like that thinner pulled in nose. Like you're deeper in the pocket, so the board is holding more, so you could go out on the nose. Like it, like I remember first getting out, I was like, "There's no way I can nose right on this." And then I was like, "Oh my god, this is almost easier because the board is like deeper in." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "This is like actually better." And I find with that board too, like I sometimes don't even have to get near the back fin to turn it. Yeah. Like that's what I love about it too. Yeah. It's like some days when I'm like, "Oh, I want to just go out and trim," I just go out and trim on that board. I sit in the middle of it, my feet together, and I'm like, yeah. it "Goes." The other board that's become a big part mm-hmm. of my life and now my wife's is uh, Skip Fry boards. Mm-hmm. And so San Diego guy, grew up around Skip, never rode his boards, always admired him. His boards were, they look, they were kind of intimidating. You know, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, I, I, I was so focused on nose riding and Skip really was very open mm-hmm. that he didn't care about nose riding. And you know they kind of left that behind in the '60s. <clears throat> he liked the bigger boards, but he—it was just about um, trim speed, being able to turn, um, not about showing off, as he would kind of put it, on the nose. It's kind of a show-off move. And remember, Skip's surfing is understated. It's this understated dance, very subtle. Mm-hmm. Well, it was only shit. I maybe five years ago that I fin- I finally came to the realization that I need to get one. This is going to sound very morbid, but it was, you know, uh, Del Velzi had died. Mm-hmm. And and I said that day, I was like, okay, I, sh- I should have got a Velzi board. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd met him a few times through Donald, but I never did. And there's always that I should have, should have. And, mm-hmm. and we're losing some of, um, you know, the pioneers mm-hmm. of everything we're into. So it took a little bit longer, but I eventually, a couple years later, finally went for it. Got a Skip Fry, got an 11-2. Um, such, you know, I, I knew Skip. He was a friend. He, he's known me since I was a kid. But I never was like, hey, Skip, can I get a sh- shape? You know, because mm-hmm. it was 
just seemed like you were bugging him. But I finally just gave him a call, and he's like, yeah, no problem. And, he, and no shit, he made the, the board, like, that week. He got wow. a blank and, like, went for it, was super pumped. And um, I think he was just stoked that someone who was is into surfing and, and what have you, as I was, you know, wanted to get a board. And we always had good interactions. Got the board. It was pretty hard to ride initially. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if this was a good idea. You know, I heard really... they're, like, one of the hardest things to step on when you first do it, no matter what you ride. It is. And, um, I mean, I've said this before, so sorry if this is repetitive to anyone who's listening to this, but um, his surfboards, are, are, it's really simple. They're, it's black belt surfing. And, um, you know, it takes a long time to get a black belt in any discipline. Right, jujitsu, mm-hmm. you don't get one in a year. Uh, karate, you name it. It takes time, and and I think you have to have put some time on some other equipment before you just jump onto a skip fry, mm-hmm. and, because you're going to be disappointed. It's like if you go in the ring with a black belt, you're going to get your ass handed to you, yeah, yeah. and you're probably going to quit. <laughs> yeah, you're just like I'm over it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I put in some time on them, and and it was a real a real life changer because. Once you learn how to ride them, it, it's the same feeling. I don't play golf, but I'd imagine when you hit the ball and it's almost like a hole-in-one, there's a feeling off the club. The same with hitting a home run off of a bat. Mm-hmm. There's that feeling where, like, yes, yeah, I just hit a home run. And, and when you do a cutback on an 11-2 and bring it around and, and rebound off the whitewater... Or you do, and you lay into like the craziest bottom turn ever with basically 10 feet of rail in the wave face and bring it around and not eat shit. It's the craziest feeling. There's that home run, right? It seems so silly, but if you know, if you're really into surfing, you definitely can appreciate that feeling. And you know, and, and I think there's a sense of honor and tradition to kind of be in the fold with Skip because you know. Um, it's it's a perceived value experience. Like you you either think Skip's amazing or you're just like, oh, he's just some old guy that kind of goes straight. Yeah. You know, um, if you're the latter, you're really missing out. Yeah, yeah. If you're the former, you you see the beauty of the subtleties and the grace in that guy's mm-hmm. approach that give you hope and inspiration of mm-hmm. when I'm 75, I hope to God I can do that. Yeah, you know, if I can make it that far, I don't need to nose ride. But yeah. if I could do a left go right on an eleven footer as yeah. a seventy five year old, and have the board in the most perfect pocket, running at top speed, and then back pedal and then cut back again and just kind of do this drop and climb dance, uh-huh. it's it's simple, but it's um, gosh, there's just something sort of I don't know incredible no, ama- about it. No, it's amazing. I mean, it's also in a way like. Technically, it's a fountain of youth, right? Yeah. Like, like seriously. I mean, that's the thing that's getting interesting, too, when you're talking about keeping the stoke, right, and diet and all this stuff. Like, it is in your head because we're slowly, progressively getting to be a healthier society. We're living longer. And you look at sure. lifespans and stuff like that. But a big part of this is keeping that mental stoke, right, like being in tune with it. Now, when you were talking about getting in tune with your equipment, how would, like, let's say an average person, like, if they go to talk to a shaper, like, how – how should they approach that? Like, you know, like, do they, like, you know, there's some shapers that you're saying that, like, make what they want, and there's some people that are like, I want the wide point 27 inches or whatever, blah, 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 get all technical. Like, yeah. what, what what would your advice be to, like, 
like someone's been surfing like 10 years around like um well i would start by addressing what your need is mm -hmm. you know first of all do i even need a new board mm -hmm. let's just be honest yeah. um i have way too many i really don't need them <laughs> I'm in a position where I know a lot of people, and so I have an unhealthy amount of surfboards. <laughs> there's not enough time to, I mean, you see there's a few boards here yeah, that yeah. wax on it, so start there. Most people are not board hoarders like we are. Yeah. Um, we've definitely got a problem, but um, I would start with, what am I missing? Like, what is, you know, if I think of the range of conditions that I experienced throughout an entire year, where am I getting frustrated? Am I not catching waves? Am I not nose riding? And mm -hmm. start there. Um, and I know this because I used to sell surfboards. I'm, I've worked in retail for a long time. And, okay. and people are overwhelmed. Like, I just, I want to get a new board. Like, for, you know, I just got a bonus or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know someone who just told me recently that one of their good friends passed away. And so he felt like he needed to just go buy a board, but he didn't even know what. You know, so there's different reasons mm -hmm. for getting boards. And start there. And then... Um, from that point, sort of zero in and don't get off that path because mm -hmm. you're going to get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. It's very overwhelming. And also sort of take the pressure off yourself. Um, a lot of people really, really stress out. I get a lot of DM messages from people and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they're like kind of overthinking the details of the board. Mm -hmm. and. At a certain point, some of the shit doesn't really matter. I just got to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're going, there are some real dog boards out there and yeah. you'll know it. Um, but there's a lot of boards that are pretty good, they're, but they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's up to you to figure it out and put the time in to make them work. Mm -hmm. um, but lower your expectations. Now, once you've lowered the expectations, it's still okay to get more finite and tune in your equipment and get it even more dialed. And at a certain point, I think you just need to cover your bases. I think if you look at sort of a three to four board quiver, you're pretty good. And I think you can start at the longest end of it, which is, I think it's good for everyone to have a longboard of some kind. Mm -hmm. So within the longboard realm, you could go into a couple different uh, buckets. Mm -hmm. You know, are you a big board glider type of person? Mm -hmm. Is nose riding important to you? Or do you just want something that's sort of long and catches waves, but you're mostly going to be shortboarding it? Right. Maybe that's your like two plus one longboard. Mm -hmm. So get that figured out. Then the mid length range. Um, I'm obviously I'm biased. I'm going to. I believe that the egg is a really good answer, especially mm -hmm. for Southern California like conditions. So that yeah. applies to a lot of places in the world, meaning that a really good day is head high and it's kind of mushy. Mm -hmm. um, a little too big for a longboard. Um, mm -hmm not quite heavy enough for a true shortboard right and honestly most of us are not athletic enough mm -hmm. because we work too much or we don't exercise enough to go out and rip on a short a true shortboard right um so figure out a mid-length and i'd say that's anywhere from seven foot to eight foot board mm -hmm. um i i like two plus one um People like Joel will argue that, that, <laughs> that those are uh, training wheels and, and they're, you know they're an abomination. When he saw when he saw when I was talking about your board, he he actually said to me, "It's like no, you want to ride that two plus one." Yeah. <laughs> so he actually said, he "No, like, he, you know, he has his <laughs> beliefs, and I I respect him for it, and I think we 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 fuck with each other back and forth. Yeah. He loves to make fun of training wheels, 
and it's fine. I think I think they look kind of stupid. Yeah. You know, Are, aesthetically, like you're into design, I'm into yeah. design. I think aesthetically, they don't look good. It just looks like it's put on. It just doesn't look yeah. rad, yeah. you know. And it's like it does look like training wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like Dave Parmenter um, and, and a number of other folks, um, we can go down the list, ride them and rip on them. Yeah. And uh, I've I have ridden both. Mm-hmm. I think single fins are awesome. But again, it goes back to kinesiology. The way that I have a size twelve foot, I'm a bit stronger maybe than some folks just because of the way I'm built mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm overpowering the board and I don't feel that I'm getting the acceleration and the drive out of it through okay. the bottom turn and the cutback and I can compare videos like there's there's video evidence of this and I'm like okay it's not just in my head right like I can actually see it yeah um, and so at that point I'm like you know this is sort of the function over the form moment where mm-hmm. it's like this is kind of undeniable, guys. Like it, it works. Right. So, I want to go. Remember, I said earlier. Yeah. My goal is to go as fast as possible. Right. I want to turn as hard as I can. Yeah. Um. You know, and it makes sense on longer equipment with the single fin, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially because you want a nose ride. Now, there are single fin eggs that are amazing, and, admittedly, I probably haven't put in as much time, mm-hmm. as I should, to learn how to ride single fins properly. So. It's going to be a quest of mine to put in some time on them, but I'm going to ride them at specifics breaks, like right. point breaks in Santa Barbara and L.A. Yeah. Let's just call it those breaks. Yeah, yeah. And because I don't want any locals there to get pissed off because I'm, <laughs> I'm not from there. Uh, and we don't have those waves here. Yeah. That, that's really, I think, the big point of differentiation. I've been asked, well, why don't you just ride those those boards as a single fender? Do they work as a single fender? I'm like, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Um but our waves here, mm-hmm. uh, in let's just say from San Clemente South, mm-hmm. are mushy. Yeah. And when I come out of a hard bottom turn and I go up to the upper part of the wave, there isn't anything to to, to sort of hit or drive or crack right. off of. I'm I'm already transitioning into cutting back because the wave's already bogging. Right. And I found that in that bog moment. That having that other fin, and this is just pure physics, mm-hmm. this is hydrodynamics. Right. Look into it. Yeah. NACA foils. Yeah. Having that rail, having the fin by the rail, does it, it, it gives you what's called lift. Yeah. And that's why a thruster works really well. That's why a quad works really well. Mm-hmm. And on a single fin, you're, you are now hindering your turn. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, no. And I can all day long show you evidence where... Yes, the turn is smooth on the single fin. I'm not talking about smoothness. It is very smooth. But it is not driving and accelerating. No, That's no. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's just a personal thing. Like, No, because I ride yours. I ride yours as a single uh, to Topanga. And it works great. And it works great. And then I've ridden it with the side bites and the smaller fin at like beach breaks. Where it's, you hit some mushy spots. Yeah. If you were to go to a Trestles Wave or a Cardiff or a Swami's yeah. or a Wind and Sea, you'd say, ah, oh, okay, that's yeah. why. And I spent a lot of time at Wind and Sea. I, I was just there the other day and it's amazing to me that I almost never go there anymore and it's only 30 minutes from here. Uh-huh. I, go, I go 30 minutes the other way from Cardiff. You uh-huh. can do the math, you know where yeah. I'm going because yeah. it's just a better wave. Yeah. But that those side bites um, were born of the need to address the boggy, mushy nature of wind and sea. That's mm-hmm. really where that came from. And 
originally I was riding full on trifins, which is what Skip Fry does. Skip Fry's yeah. true egg is a trifin egg. Yeah. And those things are insane. And um, then I, I, I felt that they were a little, it just, there was something off about them. Mm -hmm. And I just started screwing around with two plus ones. And I was like, okay, this seems like the perfect medium. Mm -hmm. There's, there's sort of the freedom of a single fin yeah. at points. Yeah. And then when I want to engage, mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, it's like I, I've got another gear. It's no, pretty cool. I, I love the idea of, on, on your board. The, re the other reason I really dig it is that like, again, if you're talking about three board quiver and that's going to be your like mid length, you could set up the fin setup to where you're surfing. Yeah. Like you could kind of go short, long, you go like, you know, I've even heard some people that like put flex fins on it, like push yeah. all the way to the front and they have like, they're, oh, like, yeah. they're amazing. I mean, it's nice. Like you said, you only want to have a couple of boards. Now, what would be that third board? You have the long board, you have your egg. And then I would say a, f a fish or a mini Simmons. Take your pick. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've got both. They're both amazing. Um, I, I can't decide which I like more, the mini Simmons type of design mm -hmm. or the fish. Um, I would say the mini Simmons is pretty rad. In, it takes really small, crappy waves and uh -huh. makes them feel really dynamic. Yeah. In a way that a longboard can't. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, like longboards for small waves, but when it's mushy and crumbly and, and funky, it's not that fun. I, I no. feel that without a pocket, uh -huh. nose, you can't nose ride. Yeah. And so it's just like, this sucks. I, I'm, I'm kind of just, I don't know, I'm fighting this thing. But when you get on the mini Simmons, it's like, boom, electricity, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Right off the bat. Now, I know a fish does the same thing, but again, going back to those personal things. Go bar of soap, mini Simmons, mm -hmm. fish, and I feel like you've got this perfect. Uh, you have a perfect quiver. You yeah. have, like I said, the longboard. We we already went through that. The the egg really covers you so that if you show up, you're kind of ready for almost any condition. I don't feel that the egg works that rad in like un under chest high waves. I think it's too much rail. Personally, mm -hmm. you can ride it for sure. Yeah, but when it's a little bit bigger and stuff, like I didn't even think about that until I, I saw somewhere you talking about that. Like, I find that it feels a lot better when it's like head high. Yes. Like it's and just like perfect. It opens up more. Yeah. And there's more of a canvas. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, you're really doing is there's, there's snowboard carves. So yeah. you need more room to move. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in sort of the under shoulder high waves, if it's kind of a running wave, it doesn't have to be a, a bowl but there's a, there's a pocket to it longboard especially the involvement the aussie style ones yeah. are amazing yeah um or if you're you know looking for something a little more spunky i'd say that's where the fish or the mini simmons come into play and between those three mm -hmm. you've got the quiver you're not upsetting your wife by spending too much money on surfboards you're not a glutton like more 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 yeah. you know and there's there's a guy that um there's a guy that just reached out to me recently, and he just has one board. It's a single fin egg. Uh -huh. and he's really simplified his life. He lives on a boat. And I really admire that. You know, he's really, you know, he just has a couple t-shirts, a couple shorts, and keeps it really simple. And he lived a very stressful life before, and right now it's... No, it, and it's really, like, it made me think about it. I'm like, you know what? I don't really need this many boards. But how the hell am I? I can't sell or give away skip fries. I can't sell no. or give away Takayamas. No. You know, I've, I've got some Tylers. Like, what am I going to do? I, I, you can't you gotta sell keep, them. No, you got to keep them. You, <laughs> you just have them. to ride them. So, um, you know, I, I think you you were asking before, I don't even know if we were rolling, like, 
what am I into? You know, what am I working on? Well, okay, I'm an aging surfer. Uh, you would think from my Instagram maybe that I'm a pro surfer, but I'm not. Um, I'm just passionate. Uh-huh. I'm, an, I'm enthusiastic. It's, you know, some people dedicate their lives to, to art, to music, to a lot of things. And, and I would say we didn't even talk about music yet, but, um, you know, that, that's the thing that I'm really passionate about is surfing. And um, the, the challenge today is it's a different world um, stating the obvious but you know things like Surfline um, things like this phone right here mm-hmm. with Instagram stories you know there's there's just this non-stop surf alert and surf report to where getting the little magic days where mm-hmm. everyone has no idea that their swell is it's happening less and less now I would say right now with the cameras and all the bullshit going on mm-hmm. you could probably get if, if you're someone that looks at the surf every day or let's say four or five days a week, I'm guessing you could get 10 days a year that are special. And that special day is probably waist and nipple high mm-hmm. and it's offshore and for some reason no one's around except a few people. Yeah. If you're lucky, 10 days a year, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I'm not talking about a big rad day of going <laughs> no. off. I just mean like, wow, it's fun and... Ooh, they didn't. This wasn't on the forecast. Yeah, you know, catch yeah. as many waves as you want, how you want. Yeah, smooth. so that's changing to where. Okay, how do you deal with um, keeping your stoke alive when mm-hmm. there's a crowd all day long at Swami's? There's a crowd all day long at Trestles. Well, only a few years ago, that wasn't the case. There would be a crowd. There would be the morning crowd, the afternoon crowd. Mm-hmm. And if you were so lucky as to have a flexible schedule or work from home or what have you, you could get these mid-morning and lunch sessions. Right. They were pretty amazing. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. Because mm-hmm. cam is on all the time. Well, those cameras are ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, do I look at them? Hell yeah, I look at them because they're there. Yeah. But I hate them because... It's a double-edged sword. Y- well, yeah. And, the, you know, so here's the problem now is like, how do you remain stoked? You know, like how do you, knowing that, not become salty and pissed off Bitter about and it. just move to the mountains, which people are doing. Yeah. You know? And that that is what I'm still trying to figure out, which is, um, okay, you can't, I don't own surfing, you don't own surfing, mm-hmm. nobody does. And it's real easy to want to build a wall and keep everyone out. That's the easiest thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the Loke thing, which I've grown up in, and, and a few people listening actually remember what that meant and what it was like, it, you can't really get away with that. Mm-hmm. A few places, maybe. Yeah. Um, so how do you address it? How do you address the stoke? And the only way I can do it is I'm lucky that I know I have an ability that if I go out in the middle of that crowd that I'm going to get waves. And, and But that's not the case for everybody. Right. And when you go out, it's very easy to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that the same five people are the ones dropping in on you. Yeah. Like, think about it. No, it's no, it's true. It's usually the same people. Yeah. And you cannot manage the entire lineup. No. It's impossible. You're going to get pissed off. You're going to look like an asshole. You're going to say stuff that you're going to regret. Yeah. And my advice to people is to manage your line up one-on-one which is you can't address everybody you're going to get dropped in on but if it's you know one time stuff's going to happen yeah uh, as long as you don't get hurt 
and go talk to the person. Go, hey, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it seems like we're going after the same waves. Like, hey, let's let's kind of like figure it out. Like, we'll split the peak or whatever. And like, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we're both riding the wave. Right. And sometimes the really simple conversations like that mm-hmm. put you on their radar. And this sucks for everybody else, but basically you've just made a kind of a miniature alliance with somebody to mm-hmm. like minimize. Mm-hmm. Because that person's clearly aggressive or they're good and they're getting the waves or they're a local or whatever. And the way I'm able to still have fun is I, I start to work out these alliances over time mm-hmm. to where, like, this isn't my buddy. We're not going to go have a beer. But, like, we start to work it out versus, like, not saying anything. Getting, getting frustrated. Getting, getting pissed. Yeah. Saying shit behind their back while they're on the way. I'm like, fuck that guy. That guy's a kook. Yeah. Just go talk to him. You yeah. know? And, and a lot of times... Look, some of them are total assholes, and mm-hmm. you just you can't change it. That's just the world. Welcome we live to Los in. Angeles. Yeah, I mean, there's people that take now you know take guns and go shoot people. Like you can't. There's nothing you can do about yeah. that. But I would say you know ninety percent of the people are good people that yeah. aren't there to cause trouble, and there's just a misunderstanding, or you can help, you know. And the only other way to get stoked, I think, is to maybe. <laughs> Just get a glider or a sup, and, <laughs> and and just paddle away from everybody. You yeah, know? like the, the, there's only two ways. It's like you have to engage mm-hmm. because I want to go where the best waves are. Yeah, like I grew up surfing near some pretty phenomenal waves in San Diego. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends I grew up with will surf the super inferior, horrible waves. Yeah, and their viewpoint is I'd rather go surf closed out Tory Pines, which is an awful wave. Sorry to anybody that surfs there, <laughs> but it's awful, and um, meanwhile, I'm at these other breaks, which we know are in this area, and getting waves. And, yeah. Um, it's it's hard. You know, it's it's a hard like psychological battle because like, how do you get waves in the crowd? Where, how do you come out of a session getting a few waves and not have people saying you're an asshole? It's mm-hmm. pretty hard to do. Yeah, with that many people. I mean, one thing you were saying with the engagement thing, you're almost establishing the same kind of thing like when you go surf with like three or four friends when you go surf with three or four friends oh are you taking it i'm taking it go left go right like there's that communication but if there's someone who's a total stranger in the sense of like you might surf the same spot with them all the time but you don't ever engage with them you don't have that communication to even do that right you know kind of thing so right so to your point like i think maybe in the lineups people just even if it's not going to be someone who's going to be your friend and have a beer with you should communicate you should just talk and kind of yeah and it's it's, it is hard to keep the stoke um, because my expectations are different than someone who's new. Like, you've been surfing for four years. Mm-hmm. I've only met you today. Yeah. But I'm going to assume someone's looked after you and you've absorbed. If you're interested in learning the culture, mm-hmm. you'll care yeah. and you'll act accordingly. Mm-hmm. That may not be the case with some other folks where they either don't have the interest or ability or mm-hmm. what have you to understand well what are the cultural norms you mm-hmm. know and, and that by simple things like catching a wave and paddling around and going for the very next one there's a large number of people in the lineup that actually they really literally don't understand that that's not cool mm-hmm. and and it sucks to have to like all of a sudden become the policeman or the teacher yeah. of the lineup and it's tiring and yeah. that is that is probably one of the number one things that that pushes people away you know i know there's certain times when the crowd is bad where, where my wife who's a very 
easy to get along with. I think she represents a lot of surfers that are out there that aren't at the highest level to sit there and paddle battle with everybody. They mm-hmm. just want to like catch a wave and like you caught one, now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the sad thing that's happening is I think those sorts of surfers are getting pushed out even more than the hardened high level locals because the hardened high level surfers and locals just know they're going to get waves anyways. Yeah. They're going to muscle in and get them. The people that are really suffering are like, is the average surfer that just wants to have fun mm-hmm. who's getting paddled around by yeah. by people that don't take the time to really learn the culture. You know, like uh, the other day I was surfing somewhere and there was probably eight or nine Israeli surfers and, you know, they're on vacation. They're, they're, but they their culture was in a vacuum. They learned how to surf in a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really exposed to the cultural norms. A lot of traveling Brazilians, the same problem. You know, people will say, oh, it sucks to surf with Brazilians or it sucks to surf with Israelis. Um, and it, and it, it could sound like, oh, well, that's a racist statement or it's this or that. No, it's just, just a, it's a cultural challenge. These folks grew up with a language barrier mm-hmm. and a cultural barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, Australians, Hawaiians, um, uh, Americans, we grew up more or less together in a yeah. way for about a hundred years now. Yeah, more than a hundred years mm-hmm. and one hundred twenty years. Yeah, so we've had all that time to work it out. Well, a lot of that information didn't get to these other cultures that only started surfing in the seventies or eighties. Yeah, um, their viewpoint: it, it, surfing is different. It's more of a sport. Um, yeah, you it, get that it, feeling when you're out on the North Shore during a high season for sure with a lot of the Brazilians and stuff. Like it's yeah. definitely like they're just dropping in on you left and right, and you're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And they just see it as the wave is the soccer ball. And, yeah. And do I wait? Do I like say no after you to get the soccer ball? No. No, I yeah. don't. So, yeah. you know, that that's the viewpoint they're coming from. And like to get through like cultural norms, like some countries there's a line at the meat counter. In some countries you just belly up and mm-hmm. you fucking get in there. Yeah. And there is no line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's different in each country. Yeah. And that is the challenge is... Visitors and newbies, um, and being able to explain that because the answer will be, well, this is surfing. There's no, this, you don't own the ocean. There's no rules. Like the no rules, like like this is like that's the worst thing to like hear. There's no rules. That's and the worst like, shit. You know, in my, uh, I always enjoy saying silly things like, okay, well, um, where do you get coffee at? Well, what? Okay. Well, yeah. Where do you get coffee at? Because. I, I'm going to walk up in the front of the line and take the cup of coffee out of your hand and drink it. Yeah. Well, isn't there something wrong there, right? There's a cultural yeah, understanding yeah. that I'm supposed to wait in line and I'm supposed to pay for my own cup. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no rule. It doesn't say that on the door. Mm-hmm. Is there a law or a code on that? No, there isn't. Just it's in... called a cultural norm. Yeah. And those exist in surfing. And then they go, and when they still tell you to go fuck off. But, but that's really what yeah. we're up against is that um, there's this idea that that's the Wild West huh. and that cultural norms don't apply. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on the last year or two is one at a time when I have to deal with those I do. I can't manage the whole lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I end up sort of at the breaks I frequent, mm-hmm. end up helping my friends and family by doing that. It's not like I want to, but that's how I manage my my own frustration level of like am I going to sit here and let it happen mm-hmm. or am I going to say something and I don't say it in right. a way where we're going to fight right I'm just talking to you like a normal person which is good I mean I think in a way that's that's a way to change the paradigm right 
Because then it's like, let's say if you talk to someone who's been doing this habitually, whatever, breaking these norms, they're going to not only adjust themselves, but they might, you know, that like pay forward thing, right? Like kind of yeah. concept. Like they might see someone and be like, oh, I remember when I used to do that. Shit, that sucked and someone taught me the right way. Let me just tell them, hey, sure, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a better way than like going out there and like yelling and screaming and threatening to beat someone up in the parking lot. Well, surfers are, you know, they're zero to 60. They say yeah. nothing or they're ready to fight. Yeah. And, and 99% of the time they're full of shit. They're not, no one's going to fight. But yeah. there is a one or two percenter that will. Yeah. And, you know, you could end up in the hospital, but it yeah, usually doesn't happen. It's usually just a show. But then now we have to listen to the show. Like but that's the worst for me. That's the worst in the lineup when you're not involved with the situation, and there's just like two, three people like arguing like for like the next hour, and you're like you're ruining it for everyone. Then try this. Anyone listening, the next time you have that incident where you're ready to go and yell, and you're a fucking kook, and the whole deal. Remember what it feels like to observe that, and how stupid it is, and then it doesn't really change anything. But if you just go up and talk to the guy and go, hey, you know, maybe we got off on the wrong foot here. Like, love to split the peak with you. Like, mm. how about when I'm going right, you go left. Well, which way do you like to go? Or, yeah. And I swear, man, nine out of ten times, people are like, they're relieved. They're mm. like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. Sure, man, that's awesome. You know, yeah. and that's why I was going back to what I was saying earlier is like my, my recommendation to people is, um, you know, you can sit there and be pissed and, and, and you're, you're going to go home angry or you can just talk to them. Be ready that one out of those ten people are going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, they're also the village asshole no matter what. They're they're always the asshole their Mm -hmm. whole life. You just let those people go. But you might be able to get through to eight or nine out of ten people in a reasonable manner so that you can come back and enjoy the session. I know that sounds idealistic and romantic, Mm -hmm. but what other way is there? Yeah, there's the other other (laughs) option is actually not really that good. (laughs) It's called the nuclear option. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. Not, let's it, not do you that. You know, it's like then, then you just give up or you go to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think it's like for me, it's it's you know, as human beings, we're just especially when we're put into some kind of environment where we're being our heart is racing a little higher and stuff like that. Our, our natural reaction is just to like react, right? Like before yeah. we even think, it's just like to be like "fuck you." Like no, even if you're in the wrong, like you just like kind of like flip out. I think it's something we as a society, not just in surfing, kind of have to learn this like mindfulness thing. Almost being like, okay, take four seconds or whatever it is, whatever your coping mechanism is before yeah. you react, and then think yeah. about it. And one last piece. Let's just change the subject. But mm-hmm. the last piece of that is always reflect on that these are first world problems mm-hmm. um, some people will jokingly say white people problems um, that's because <laughs> surfing is so damn white mm-hmm. um, but there are people with serious problems around the world and the fact that we're getting really fucking pissed off about this like we need to stop mm-hmm. um, you know Puerto Rico and some of our Caribbean islands just got wiped off the map mm-hmm. a lot of them still have no power yeah. They're stoked to have water mm-hmm. if they're lucky. So those are real problems. Iraq, Afghanistan, those are real problems. Mm-hmm. So when you see yourself kind of getting crazy, just think about, just envision Africa, Middle East, and mm-hmm. all these places we could be and go. It's not that you have to sit there and say everything's okay and that everyone's allowed to say sorry because sorry is a cop-out. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry is also a bullshit reply. Mm-hmm. But just address it. So that when you see that person again, you guys have worked it out. Yeah. And that's like the way for, and 
it sucks to even have to talk about this, but how to like, how to keep the stoke level, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you, you don't want to become the jujitsu warrior where I'm going to go learn jujitsu. I'm going to tell you I'm going to kick your ass if you mess with me. And that's the, you know, the answer. Yeah. I don't think that's the answer. No. And you know, it's funny, like the, the, like the North Shore is like infamous for like a lot of that kind of shit. But the one thing I've learned from going there over the years, like if you're just kind of, you just communicate and are respectful and stuff like that, know your place in like the lineup. Like I know, like when I go surf the spots that I go surf there, I'm like, okay. You're like, down here. I'm way down there. Nice. And I make sure that the, like every single local that's there, like who's like, Anywhere between 10 years old to like 60 years old, like you're getting more waves than we, and I have no issue with that. And I will, yeah. I will back out of your way every single time. And I will, you know, and, and I. And what happens, I bet, I'm, I'm going to guess that mm-hmm. after a certain time, once they've seen that commitment, mm-hmm. I bet a few have nodded to you and let you have the wave. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. Like I learned it. I've been lucky enough to be taken under wings there by someone who's, who's a surfing coach. And he taught me that early on. And then, like, I felt like the last, like, two years I've gone, I feel comfortable going to surf the spots by myself. And, like, yeah. I see them, they're like, It's okay. not, you know, it's really not that hard to surf around the world. There's an exception. There's a few breaks where people are very intolerant and mm-hmm. they're just idiots. But it's real simple. If you're not a dick, mm-hmm. you're not an asshole, realize your place in the lineup. Don't, you know, the real simple rule is don't paddle past everybody. Mm-hmm. Just... Catch a wave, and then when you come back out, stop short of being outside of the pack. Yeah. And you can kind of be undetected in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be waves that will come miss, um, come through, but, you know, it's it's no, nowhere in life is, is, you know, do you just walk up and you're the man. Like, it just doesn't happen. You can't do that, like, on a basketball. You can't go to, like, like, uh, like MSG or something and be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to play for the Knicks. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you're not even a ball boy here. No. <laughs> like, who no. are you? You can't do that. Now, speaking of uh, places around the world, if you could pick one place uh, that's your favorite place that you've ever surfed, where, you don't have to name a specific break, per se, but where is it and why? Um, gosh. I've had that asked a few times, and I'm never very good at answering it. Um, but I would say, I would say Indonesia. I mean, there's, it is crowded now and it is overrun. But in terms of just the quality of the waves, mm-hmm. um, that Sumatra coast, uh-huh. you know, whether you're in the Mentawai or up off Nias, it's God's country in terms of. Waves. I mean, you, times of the year, the winds are just really light. The, the swells come from a ways away, so they're very groomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do every type of surfing you want. You know, believe it or not, you can ride a single fin longboard over there. Yeah. There a lot of days that people just wouldn't even think to even paddle out. And right. there's like waist to chest high perfection going on all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd say that's number one. Um, you didn't ask for this, but the other one would be Jeffrey's Bay. I mean, Jeffrey's Bay. Bay. Yeah. Jay Bay is this really special place. The challenge with it is it's very crowded now. Oh, uh, is it? Yeah, I it's mean. very crowded. Um, but for the types of boards I, I enjoy riding, they work really, really mm-hmm. well. Uh, yeah. At Jay Bay, I, I got to spend um, a, quite a bit of time there in oh, okay. 2001, and I rode the precursor to that, which is the Trifin Egg, a seven uh-huh. six. I think it was 2001 and whew, that was that was it man it was You're like that just does it all you know it's yeah. a perfect board and uh, 
it's a challenging wave to ride. A lot of the high-performance shortboard guys would actually would complain. Uh, if you read interviews, there's certain key high-level pro shortboarders that find J-Bay to be very challenging to surf because of the way it breaks. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not as good for top-to-bottom surfing. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's more of a linear path. Um, and that's why Curran mastered it because Curran understood he could translate that single fin, twin fin, fishy type surfing right. to his trifins with the longer rail board. If you I, watch that footage, did you see the the Bunker seventy seven movie? I didn't. No. Okay. So he like he like brought a fish to surf it, like, and everybody was like, "You're out of your mind!" And he just boom, and everybody was like, "And that's what you need to ride this place with." Like everybody was like trying to ride like thrusters and stuff, and it was like he brought this like goofy looking fish, like flat bottom, yeah, and he was just like killing it, like going so fast, and it was like blowing their minds. Yeah. They well, I think what they were riding at the time was probably mini guns. I mean, they were like the boards behind you. They were right. riding these kind of long needle boards with narrow tails. And um, if this was in the late seventies, yeah, yeah, and uh, twin fin, a few people would have those, but not very many. No, no, and, there wasn't. It was kind of interesting because it was like Derek Hine and all these guys. Yeah, they, they were, were tripping. Yeah, yeah, they were just like, and they're they're on in the documentary. They're talking about. They're like, this blew our mind. That someone with a twin fin just like came here and just housed this wave. And he's not from here. He's some like California kid. <laughs> they're yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, but you know, the, those are probably the top two. I, I still really, I really love Hawaii. I always feel, um, I feel a special connection there, mm-hmm. um, just with the energy of the ocean. Oh, it's uh, beautiful. It's the most amazing. The people, I, I, I respect the, the sort of traditions and heritage of the Hawaiian people. Mm-hmm. I just really, I really like it. I know, I know there's challenges there too, you know, the population's a challenge. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard for yeah. the people that live there to see all these people come and go. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always like a little sensitive to that, but, but I really like, um, Sunset Beach and Haleiwa mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> um, I love so. Sunset I just started really surfing it like last year for the first time I surfed it with the 80 hull single, yeah. like well, an idiot <laughs> I slipped a, out a lot but it that was, would be a challenge but you can do it yeah yeah it was fun there was actually one day I surfed it on Thanksgiving with uh, there were four people out there besides me and one of them was John John it was really a trip oh man and yeah. I was just like I was like and again Get every wave you want. <laughs> I was just like, I was like in better position. I was like, no, this is yours. Just keep doing it. You keep doing what you do. And he let me get one. And I was like, okay, that's good enough. I'm going back in. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that was my He's like. A, John John's a great kid. He's probably one of the, the nicest, coolest yeah. pro surfers you're going to meet. Yeah, he was super nice in the lineup. And I think he was with his like his coach or whatever. And like it was right after, you know, he had won. The world title and everybody like everybody who was in the lineup was just like like congratulating him. he was really gracious he was really nice and, stuff. and he had surfed the Hollywood contest just like two days before that and I think yeah. he, won, he won that one um, yeah and he was, so he, he was, was probably with maybe he was with Ross Williams perhaps. yeah I think that, that's his coach yeah that's who I think it was yeah I mean it was it was one of the shittiest days I've ever surfed and that's why I was like oh there's only like four or five people out there like I, I'll just like paddle out and, then, and I was like oh my god <laughs> this is kind of a trip yeah. like this is I had a total like fan out like tourist moment I'm like alright <laughs> uh, I mean that's understandable to fan out the guy's really he's amazing to watch and um, you know e- even though I don't ride those kind of boards I really I really appreciate that type of surfing mm-hmm. and it's so athletic and boundary pushing and it's exciting you know? yeah. it's an electric 
experience yeah. when you're watching when you mm-hmm. don't know what surfers like uh, John are going to do mm-hmm. or you know Dane Reynolds and those types of yeah. folks that it's like what are they going to do yeah yeah you know it's super exciting I mean we go there at that height of the season so it's like we definitely watch like like my wife loves to go out and watch like a like a heat or two and since we're staying the house we rent is actually right on the on Sunset Point backyards mm-hmm. over there oh wow and so it's like we just like walk over and yeah, like kind of see a couple of heats that's dreamy so what what is your connection to hip hop why why is that how did you decide to marry hip hop and longboard surfing together couple things one is both of them have like a deep culture that people don't know about and like so like with hip hop like a lot of people know this like mumble rap bullshit that's what I call it they don't know about like these like MCs from like the 70s and 80s and 90s that kind of established it I want people to know about it. and it's the same thing with the surf culture it's like I want people because I'm geeking out on it like I'm reading books like a maniac and learning from people like you and other people and Joel and stuff and they're telling me stories and I want to yeah. kind of get people into that because there's such a speed up curve now with surfing like it was for me it's like you know I just jumped into it like you know you guys all had to like learn these steps right and we're kind of getting the express version of it right sure. we're like getting the super express version through social media like oh this is the kind of board you buy this blah 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 but you don't know who like you know like uh, Nat Young is or like Greeno like the whole Greeno story like for me that's like I geek out on it and also that that total involvement era of surfing is like what I like in love with like, that's my thing so I'm trying to merge those two and kind of bring it there that's one thing the other thing too is what you mentioned is that surfing is like a bunch of white dudes and I have I sort of have a problem with that like deep down I have a problem with that because I come from a skateboarding world where the majority of the people believe it or not are not white like the people who are like pros and stuff like if you really look at like street skateboarding it's all kids from like you know it's all Hispanic kids it's African American kids it's Asian kids and blah 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 I don't see that reflected in the lineup so I kind of am making a little social commentary on that kind of being like hey look you know and I've also been in the lineup at Topanga where African American kids have come to surf and I've heard shit said that really pisses me off mm-hmm. I mean I grew up in a very urban ethnically mixed environment and for me like racism is something I cannot fucking tolerate. well I, I'm, I think there's some clear easy answers why that's the case but that's but that's cool that you're you're exposing people to yeah. this I, I don't know that 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 may not necessarily bring more uh, ethnic diversity to the lineup but it will bring some awareness that's to my the goal. folks that uh, you know because we're in Cardiff by the sea right now yeah um, there's probably one african-american family that lives in this community maybe yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, this used to be a blue collar town and but if you look around us I um, you know I don't own this place we're in we rent it but if you look around us there were these were all beach shacks 10 yeah. to 15 to 20 years ago craftsmen beach cottages they've all been mowed and there's big giant homes built up to the edge of the property line mm-hmm. and they're very very affluent people that come from technology um, oil money next door um, pharmaceuticals, technology, you name it. Mm-hmm. San Diego is a big area for that. And so you have all up and down the coast, you have, it's it's very white and it's yeah. just what it is. And so I don't think a lot of um, African Americans, Latinos are growing up in beach communities and therefore they're not as exposed mm-hmm. to beach culture and beach life. Yeah. And, and surfing is a, you know, it's a leisure activity. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of these cultures, when they have leisure time, they're they're 
culture has them aimed at things more like organized sports, mm-hmm. you know, ball sports, soccer, um, and such. And yeah. so uh, there's that interesting guy up there in uh, San Francisco who, did you see Fish People? The movie? No, I didn't see it yet. Watch Fish People. Uh-huh. Check out the guy in there is one of the five characters who, um, you know, he brings inner city kids uh, from the Bay Area to go surfing. Um, and, and he's trying to make a difference. He's trying to bridge that gap, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I find that really interesting. I don't, there's not a lot of those programs around. Um, there's a, but, there's that one stoked, which I actually volunteered yeah, for. Yeah, stoked. Uh, they're in LA. Yeah, right. they're LA, New York. Yeah, yeah but um, look into that guy. He might be someone that might have some interesting insight for you. Um, good surfer and so and I get there's all this stuff like the the, the the socioeconomic stuff and it's like look and skateboarding and surfing is never going to have the same kind of like audience to be honest because like skateboarding really was about like it was surfing for people who were near the ocean like that's how it really started you know it was like okay I want to sidewalk surf, yeah. surf or something like that that's how skating started and skating is relatively cheap it's not that expensive like to buy like a whole complete setup, it's gonna cost you like if you went brand new, it's gonna cost you 150 bucks. If you buy it off of some kid in the neighborhood, it's gonna cost you 75 bucks. Right. To buy even a used shitty surfboard for someone in the inner city and buy and a buy wetsuit. wetsuit and get there and get there, there's the huge challenges, right? Yeah. That's big. So I know it's not gonna have the same thing. I just would like to see it a little bit more diversified. I find when I go to places like Costa Rica and even Hawaii that it is a little bit more diverse. Like when you go into lineups, you're like, oh, this is sort of what I expect. You see tourists, you see white people, you see Hispanic people, you see like, you Brazil know. is probably the most ethnically diverse, but that's just the makeup of that country. Yeah, you know? and well, that's the other thing too, right? So it's like here, it's a very like, like Caucasian um, beach community. So it's yep. gonna be a very Caucasian lineup. In LA, it's a little different because it's like, you know, you look at like the South Bay, the South Bay is like most of it's like, you know, Redondo Beach and stuff is very ethnically diverse and you are getting some of that come in there. My thing is just to bring an awareness of like, it's almost like what you were saying about the like, okay, instead of yelling at someone, calling them a kook and writing it off like that, like let's engage in discourse. It's more of like, let's engage in the discourse of like what it is, like yeah. what, what we see in the lineups. Like, like, like we don't all, and this comes to the right everything movement for me too. That's another thing. It's like, you know, don't just buy the hated shape board off the rack, like support your local shaper. Even if he's like just starting out, like fine, you're just starting out to surf, buy that $500 board. Like who gives a shit, you know, kind of thing. That's not going to be the best board, but you're also not the best surfer, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Right. Um, so I just try to have fun with it and that's, that's sort of it. I also like like I used to be a product designer mm-hmm. and a furniture designer and my whole thing always used to be about mixing high and low like mixing things and like that you wouldn't think go together and I think that started with me when I started I grew up in a cooking family and when I started realizing like uh, Thai food or a lot of Asian food has a lot of the same ingredients as uh, Hispanic food but it's just the ratios they're using. So they use like a lot of the same things like chilies and, and, and cilantro and onions and stuff. But they're just doing a little different of a ratio thing. So I always found that kind of interesting. Like in the back of my mind, like I think that's where it started as a kid. So as a designer, I always took like, you know, high-low things. Like for instance, I did designer barf bags. Like barf bags that cost 20 bucks because it had some crazy artwork I designed on it that I hand silk screen, right? It's totally <laughs> stupid, right? <laughs> but it's taking some Funny. like custom art thing and then putting it on something that like it's an afterthought on an airplane you're like oh it's this white bag like who gives a shit so I think this is like a culmination of like that kind of thing like let me take these two different things that most people don't think have similarities and let me find the common threads and exploit those yeah so that's cool
We kind of went all over the place on that conversation, but I think it was a lot of fun. Um, I thank Devin for sitting down with me and indulging me and asking me what I do and why I do it. And I think it was really cool uh, for him to get that out of me because I don't talk about it that much. Uh, so I hope you guys uh, got a little enjoyment out of that. But anyway, I'm just going to get back to some tracks now after that long conversation uh, and uh, check in with you guys in a little bit with uh, some short takes. Peace. On dance shoes, the lame stuffer, bang the range fucker. I walk bars and guys became chain tuckers. Make enemies, make friends. I make money, money, make moves in the state pen. This is my slot, Brookie. It's not rocket rocked over hot drop cookies. Slap box niggas, free can of soda with the snack box nigga. The rest I can't tell ya, but catalog this shit is the best of Mandela. I tear apart guys, separate head from neck and call it the part time. What the blood clot? Lick off a gunshot. Moffy play big shot, shoot up them drug spot. Rule boy say fuck cop. Sean P and Buck shot, Buck shot, slugs fly. Nuff man I die for them tough talk. Drama hawk, these sharks walk the walk. Mama spark, chuck em up, box em up, call em up. Leave who ya king of kings. Some say lot of laws. We spit the hardest bars, draw your sword, master the art of war. If rock don't write like you, fuck don't like you. Fuck down, duck down, what a nigga might do. Black moonwalk on him, rest in peace to Michael. RIP, fight from tribe, he in the light too. Hip hop heaven, you see the seven, that's the god. All praise due to a law, sun, moon, star. Some move bars, my nigga rock, move cages. It's only one buck, but I bust two gauges. Yeah, drive the bitch crazy with my stick shift. Now she gassed up, wanna ride on my click dick. Ruby with the Uzi licking shots at the shot, but I'm bulletproof when I'm in the booth. Bumble Clyde, listen, if my nigga rock never said your name, that you claim you with the fam, you with the lame. What the blood clot? Lick off a gunshot. Moffy play big shot, shoot up them drug spot. Rule boy say fuck cop. Sean P and Buck shot, Buck shot, slugs fly. Nuff man, I die for them tough talk. Drama hawk, these sharks walk the walk. Lama spark, chuck em off, box em up, call em off. Leave who ya king of kings, some say lot of laws We spit the hardest bars, draw your sword, master the art of war yeah, the most stereotypical Great ape, say it to your face No subliminal, straight craze Fucking maniac, act cynical Finish you, using little nigga Raps minuscule Fuck is wrong with these niggas What in your mind to make you think I do a song with these niggas I know hitters, pimpers, and killers Lions, tigers, gorillas Leave you tied up for a scroll I won't fly until next December Salute to the founder fathers that birthed you when you was little and saved you from all the sorrow. 
They did it so we wouldn't have to do it But we all wanna taste Take a bite, taste the fluid Drew through it, paper blew through it Whole crew stupid, bar fights, dark nights But we all got through it I'm my brother's keeper Till the day I'm sleeping Eat that food, roll a tree and put your feet up I should write with a scapel. The Surgeon General carved lyrical statues. And I'm original, I ain't like other rap dudes. Act rules, spit facts, holding my cashews. Cash rules, I don't like rules, guess I'm irrational. A jackass to act new, I'ma smack you. Axe who clapped you, slipping west, and that's who. I need you to feel me with our hands on this one. This really where I stand on this one. If it ain't clear, the lane don't get slumped. Got plans to get points to repertoire. To feel me without hands on this one. Don't touch. This really what I stand on this one. Gotta feel me. Ain't clear the lane or get slumped. Got hands to get one. It's just one man, one gun, one clip, one trigger, one second to die, and that's coming from one nigga. Stand back, I'm the one man Delta Force. Wanna play cowboy? The heat up, melt your horse. Pull up on a nigga block in a mail truck, mailbag hanging with the Nina in it, well tucked. Ring your doorbell, package for sign. As soon as you open the door, I split you back with the nine. My vernacular shines, so I ain't gotta wear the chain often. I crack your hard ass head and let your brain soften. Nigga, my mama ain't raised no suckers. Don't make me leave. Your forehead on your chuckers. chuckers. Motherfucker said a tornado hit Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Nah, that was just me, son, but good looking. Lookin'. What you got cooking? Cookin'. Bitch, nigga, fricka say trill OG. I give a fuck what a nigga say. I need you to feel me without hands uh-huh, on uh-huh, this uh-huh. one. This really what I stand on this one. So if it ain't clear, the lane don't get slumped. Got plans to get points. Uh-huh. I need you to feel me without hands on this one. This really what I stand on this one. So if it ain't clear, the lane don't get slumped. Got plans to surprise. Niggas, it's the Mr. Monster Man Rocco. Monster Man Gato, but don't try. Monster Man Scar, your fam pronto. Monster Man hard to blame me, you hear me, I pop. 
pop toast with a squad of marauders banging off for that guapto. I got crash test dummy that blast get for me. Do anything I tell him about some cash, bread, money. Jab said he bummy. Now that nigga bummy fly. Fast cheddar coming in from keeping you rap junkies high. The beat body is serious song slaughterer. So long suckers, I do the same shit to all of y'all. Handle a biscuit, animalistic. Your man and your bitch get blamed in the hip for amping the shit. Go ahead, you feel lucky? Go ahead, approach the guard. Videotape this shit for an episode of Scar. Niggas think they slick, we more greasy. Fuck a license to ill, my boy's beastie. I need you to feel me without hands on this one. This really what I stand on this one. If it ain't clear, there ain't no get slumped. Got plans to get bust.
shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love flow. Yeah, keep shit wild. You need to come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love flow. Yeah, get you wild. You come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love Yo, job, it's raining allergy. I'm floating through the Highland Channel, swerving. I'm digging on the Sheba, pulling Sheba, she be splurging. We lurking with the cone, cause we be murking from the boogie. And shitting on them crabs, cause they jive faking what we Yeah, three shots of life for all night, you dig it. Kept it hot, I can yada to big quiver, get hit up. Spilling coffee inside my order, mo el do. Cracking satin, no never was happening. Bullock and Visser, cash straight out of comic. Brooks catching the flurry, keep your eye on the lower, Mr. Heaven. Be coming with hammers and dramas, with the Buddhas and Rogers, and shot cruisers and rovers, diamond crooks taking it over with razors and cutters, with the sugar and butters, pimping Caesars and levers. We live for coolie hot treasures and Check the Queen Bee, Lady Reed digging grace. Check the place, three o'clock, shot, no, we ain't. Fret and cut, bring it in the paint, no such thing. Blast the dynamite, sing my super fly to the Cleopatra in the casino with gold sugar. Dig my Harlequin and drench you in my Dino gone. From Beryl to Beryl, in the Montevo, sliding the devil with bottles of Vasti, Spumante to tranquilize my heaven. Count seven, we getting splits and shooting sugar to the show. These Lutini despair, let me see your Istus in the air. We're like, yeah, you need to come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you. Yeah, I got you, why? You need to come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you. Yeah, I keep you, why? You need to come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you. Yeah, I got you, why? You need to come and shot and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you. No, keeps the party live. The ED proof is leaking, got me speeching Jersey Drive. We screaming cause we villains and our caliber is bringing. I'm laying in the purple rain until I see some action. We move in motion, let's continue. That's the bubbly pouring through me in Cleopatra's casino. Sweet back and coolie hijacking jitterbugs a little session. Dolomites out of sight, anti hottest cats in the city. On the money, taking the tri state under saucy vine. Billy Holiday and the Foxy Browns with my Harlequins a penny. Heat repellent, reflecting crystals is highly Don't call it stars, cause we licking Cuban cigars and sipping mo. Playing the jigger, counting the figures on the low and low. Blessing the dimes, keeping my campus on the higher flow. Living the crimes, hitting them sly for the senos. Yo, Prince of the City, poor. Right on the JJ's and saute Cap Calloway and the last of the finest shots Cyrus crisis is coming lower With diggers less than zero that Sex to low, dice to low I tell you what, one of night vision decision Underneath the silver moon Boys from company C, A, D, Sugar Beef for stone and Robin Chevro Beef for midnight The safety's off the toaster And my shadows by the moonlight Cause natives on the levels And the lowers on the EQ My stamina is sugar And it's love, love forever, y'all Yeah, you need to come and shot and check low Relax yourself and let the sugar love you yeah, I get you, why? You need to come and shine and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you yeah, keeps you, why? You need to come and shine and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you yeah, I get you, why? You need to come and shine and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar love you yeah, keeps you, why? Get your head flown three blocks, L key, rap.
was 30 picks. I'm never hitting 30 chicks. Got 35 bodies, buddy. Don't make it 36. Step to this, your good is gone. Word is blown. I leave mics torn when I put it on. So put it on, big L. Got more cash than Gotti, you don't know? You better ask somebody. Big L is a crazy brother, and I'm a lady lover. A smooth kid that'll run up in your baby mother. I push a slick pins. I'm known to hit skins and get ends and commit sins with sick friends. Cause I'm a money getter, also a honey hitter. You think you nice as me? Haha, <laughs> you's a funny nigga. I flows, so one of my shows wouldn't be clever to miss. I'm leaving competitors pissed to tell you the truth, it gets no better than this. I'm catching wreck to the break of dawn. In this song, yo, it's a must that I put it on. What's up, everybody? We are back. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 19. Hope you've been digging the tracks. A little coolie high up in there. The Bone Thugs. Uh, one of my wife's favorites, having her be from Cleveland. I've never been a huge fan. Uh, but every once in a while, got to put a little Bone Thugs in there. I love that uh, track, First of the Month. Uh, maybe we'll put that on uh, another one of the future episodes. But anyway, hope you guys been digging it. Uh, let's do a little housekeeping. Uh, this is the Bodega Border Crew podcast. Make sure to check us out at Bodega Border Crew on Instagram. Make sure to check out our page, bodegabordercrew.podbean.com, as well as the uh, full description of this episode on your iTunes podcast player, uh, where we have track listings, links, uh, 
uh, to things that we're talking about. Uh, links t pertaining to people we're talking with, like Devin Howard videos, all that kind of stuff, pictures, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but right now, it's time for some short takes. The first short take I'm going to talk about is the fact that Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch has been named to be one of the CT events uh, for the WSL for 2018. Uh, they had a little secret contest there a couple of months ago and Joel Tudor had talked about it and it basically blew up the internet. It was a good test for them to see what the interest would be. And a lot of people are up in arms about it. Uh, I mean, first off, I think in general, the whole W... SL, Championship Tour, QS, all that kind of stuff is a bit goofy. Uh, just not my taste. Don't get me wrong. I go to some of the contests. I go check them out and stuff. But I just think, you know, people vying for points for a championship or something seems rather silly and kind of jockey to me. And anti what the essence of surfing is, to me at least. Uh, but I think it's fair that the, it, it is on the tour. And I'll tell you why. They try to make the tour... Be something that whoever wins the most points from the tour has surfed every type of wave to the best of their abilities an average score if you will that shows that hey this past year this person surfed all these different conditions the best so they should be the world champion of that of that year it would make sense that the best artificial wave be on it you know because that's a different kind of surfing just like tube riding is a different kind of surfing just like you know uh something like trestles you know is a different kind of surfing the thing that's interesting is is technically it is replacing the the trestles event which is a hit or miss i mean look the last couple of years they've had the trestles event it's been kind of pathetic and not because of the surfers it's just it hasn't been a great forecast for it you know you look at the conditions it's been run and it's pretty bad so i'm kind of for it um i'm not a big proponent of like the fake wave uh if anything it's a different kind of surfing it's just the same thing as if you went backcountry snowboarding versus park snowboarding or if you went real street skates street skating versus park street skating you know they're two different things for me there's similar skill set involved but it's totally different so I don't know. I think it's good because at the end of the day, I don't give a shit what these WSL contests are. Uh, maybe that's why I'm kind of indifferent to it. But if their whole goal is to be like, this whole contest series is about showing who the best surfer is on every single wave discipline. I hate to say it, this is one of the new wave disciplines that should be included because it is a new wave discipline. That's it. My second short take has to do with this video that TCSS produced or put out uh, with Mick Rogers in it. Mick Rogers is a logger. Uh, I've actually seen him a bunch of times at San O in his van. Uh, so this video is just a short video they put together of him and van life and him explaining why he did it and how he likes it. Um, in my ideal world, in my head, if I didn't have a family and I was cool and young in my 20s or early 30s i'd probably do the same thing uh his big argument is you know what way do we enable that we could have this lifestyle without having to pay rent and all these kinds of things so i think it's interesting it's worth a take uh so check it out and uh yeah let me know what you think the last short take is all these videos popping up of sharks breaching um, you know, there was that famous Trestles one, there was that shark that attacked the seal off of Alcatraz. Now there's one that there's a juvenile seal that jumped out of the water outside the lineup of breakwater in Venice. And 
people are just freaking out about this stuff. At the end of the day, this is what's in the water. You, if you don't want to know, I don't think about it, but there's sharks, especially in uh, Southern California, up and down the coast, and in little pockets all over the place. I remember getting chased out the water by uh, the beach patrol because I was 20 yards away from a great white, supposedly. I had no clue. Helicopter was overhead. I had no clue why they wanted me to get out of the water. I thought maybe I was paddling goofy, uh, but there was supposedly a 8 to 12 foot great white 20 yards away from me, and I had no idea. I think now with technology, we're able to see these sharks more and more, so we get more freaked out. I think before it was out of sight, out of mind, and now that we have you know cams on 24-7 where you can rewind and see what's up, people are able to see these images. I don't think it's that much different than it was before. I just think it's where you have that ability to see them more. Look, it's a risk we take. There's tons of risks that we take by surfing. Um, it's one of the many. It's just more visible now. Uh, it's not going to entirely freak me out. Now, not, that's not to say that I'm going to avoid certain spots a little bit more. Like, supposedly at sunset, there's been... Uh, out in LA, there's been sharks that have been breaching uh, for the last couple of months. Kind of gives me more reason not to get my board digged up at a spot like that with uh, everyone who's surfing there. Um, so I'm just going to be a little bit more selective. But I think you have to understand that at the end of the day, these animals are there before us and they're always going to be there and they're going to be growing and they're populating and that's just the case. But that's it for this super, super packed episode. Uh, I want to thank Devin Howard for doing the interview. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to him, getting to know him over the last uh, couple of months. Uh, I'm going to probably have him on again because he had so much more to say. I think a lot of people that I've had on before, like him and Joel and CJ and, and Cassia, I want to have them on again. I think I'll probably do a yearly kind of update with those guys just because they're so knowledgeable. And I think at the end of the day, I really want these people to tell their story from their perspective. You know, we lose a lot of stories out there. And it's now with technology, we shouldn't have that happen. So what I'd like to do with this podcast is really have everybody tell all their stories and for everyone to hear, you know, there's, I've been getting emails from people on the East coast who've been loving hearing people like Cassia speak and Grant Noble and all that. And, and because these are people that they don't get to interact with on a daily basis. We sometimes take it for granted that, in the Southern California, Hawaii, Australian surf life, like we honestly get to see these people every day in shops, in the lineups, in parking lots. And there's a lot of people out there that don't. And I hope that this podcast helps expose that and helps them get the stoke on, you know, because at the end of the day, that's the whole reason we're doing this. But uh, again, this is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 19. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, helping us reach over 5,000 uh, downloads really excited about that i thought maybe i'd get a couple of hundred if anything so i'm kind of surprised because this is mega niche uh but thank you for support make sure if you can leave a review positive or negative on itunes helps uh get the word out helps this our scene grow and our culture grow and stay alive uh but i'm gonna leave you with our final words of wisdom which is there's no need to bust a craze on a wave uh no need to get aggro on a wave there's lots of waves out there there's lots of people out there, but we could all navigate it. We could all try to smile at each other, talk to each other. And like Devin Howard said, you know, what's the worst about approaching someone in the lineup if something happens? They might not be aware of it. You might not be aware of some shit you're doing too. So just go out there, have a good time, and I'll see you guys in the lineup. Peace.
Stand clear. EPMD is a world premiere from New York Straight Talk. America's best cold wild Long Island is where we rest. The style of the rap makes your hands clap. Take care of yourself because the lines are strapped. They mean business, no time for play. If you buy a line, they blow your way. The more you bite, your body gets hot. Don't get too close because you might get shot. Knowing that my mom like a pointless rat. Don't play dumb, boy, you're smarter than that. style keeps the rhyme flowing the brain's already biting without you knowing can't understand why your body's getting weaker then you realize just the voice from the speaker the mommy come delirious situation serious don't get ill go and get curious enough about that let's get on to something better and if it gets warm take off the hot sweater and if you want some water i get you a cup and if you don't want it then burn the hell up i'm telling you now boy you ain't jack talking much junk like mr t is your back but he's not So don't act cute, cause if we do, you in high pursuit. It's my thing. As the song goes on, you will notice a change. The way I throw down, the way I say my name. The mic that I'm packing is flame resistant, so it's be cool and keep your distance. When I walk into the party, girls are screaming at me. I park my mic in my host, and then I yell, freeze. Freeze, freeze, freeze. Music, please. Oh, where was I? Oh, yes, say a deaf rhyme, then I put the rest. Every time I rock a rhyme, I can tell that you like it. The notion is strong like the mind of a psychic. The mind is weary, floating like a dove. Sweating the thing like a jewel's make a love. Control the crowd so they can accept it. Told the concentration is the perfect mess. my thing. Attract the strong attack. The ones who got the mic and freeze. I throw back, I perfect and eject. Make MC sweat. Take them off on the mic, then I tell them step. Not waiting or debating, cause MC keep hating. Play me too close, like two dogs mating. Now let's get on with the rest of the lesson. Don't really like it when suckers start messing. Trying to make a scene, talking very loud, talking much junk to attract the crowd. You say you want to battle, your first mistake, you get quiet and stuff like you was out of weight. End up beginning, you knew you wasn't winning. Now You feel shame, your head starts bending Kind of set, boy, I understand You lost again, I won't goddamn Fresh lyrics, put you in the spirit. I'll speak a little louder for you suckers can't hear it. The rhymes I design are right on time. And at the crown of my mic, flash a danger sign. Cause I'm a thriller of Manila. Empty cold killer. Drink Budweiser, cannot stand Miller. Empty's cold clock until the party's through. Then they tap me on my shoulder and say, this buzz for you. To be a real MC, you can't be obedient. To be smooth is the main ingredient. You have to be sooky like a Milky Way. To be able to make it work, you rest and play. I control the pace of the rhythm I'm going. 
Hydraulic jack is the way they're flowing Slow, yes, that's like the order Comparison is wave like the motion of water Smooth, It is spinning, got your fly girly grinning. MD is on the mic, you know I'm only beginning. Rise fresh and fresh, never heard me fast. Scored 110 on my MC test. My rhyme's stronger than Tyson. Hold the MC license when I grab the mic. MCs get frightened. I'm dangerous, I need to cause some bones. Lounge on, boy, you in the danger zone. What I mean by lounge, I don't mean biting. Huh, you mess around and we'll be fighting. It's alright if you bite, but don't recite because the rhymes are mine and that ain't right. But that's chill, just chill to the next episode. I'm a J, yo, release the code. my thing. Capsule the tablet, I got to make the fabric. <laughs> 
Nah. Playing a stick like plaster, busher, slasher, slit a nigga back like a Dutch master killer. Sal jumped off and killer, hiller. I was the thriller in the alley, Frazier Manila. I came down with fat tracks that combine and interlock, like getting smashed by a center block. Bow, now it's all over. Niggas seeing pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, and green clovers. Ooh, I got crew cat, straight from the smoked out lungs of the mad one. Lower crab, the kingdom come, cause it's real son. Represent what town you're from, and I kill run quicker than the clock, kill time. World life, guy, fuck, make it fancy moves. I need props, forget about a hill street blue. It's just my block, nigga wanna test my steam. I make shit hot, burn to a third degree, and it don't stop. Keep on to the break of dawn, and I'm ripping corns and 
half with the who takes that. What up, hat? You're blind cause you don't know math. Use a bitch ass, nigga from a lightweight class. Caution, you're pissing me off in this portion. Me to have yeah, thoughts yeah. up in store. You want to be here forever, match like the weather. Thoughts designed and classified like genuine leather. As I get down to the Brownsville, you remain still as I shoot the gift at will. With rough rap, banging off a marvelous tracks, paragraphs, slamming like a late night snack. The rap therapist, you can get with this rhyme specialist. Yes, I'll be possessed, leaving threats like a terrorist blood spiller. Ex-convict, verbal assaulter, disguising as a psychiatrist who lays water. This child was born to be child. Snatching, robbing no man, I was foul. Now I like smuggling mics of all types. Spotlights hit the airport and catch a flight to another chamber. Then I will strike like a stranger. Bad guys shorten their lives and lose fingers. Met the cow. Word up, yeah. The ball beat up. Check me out now. Check me, check me out now. Here we, here we go. Wu Tang Bang, here I come. Yo ho ho, and a bottle full of rum. Nah, not that one. Come again, son. Straight out. Going with the hell of pop home. I be the medical. Coming with the fresh freestyle. It's off the head. It never been written before. I said that I'm the baddest brother in the land. I'll be the man. M-E-T-H-O-D. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Here I am. Never eat the ham. I like what? Hit the girl from behind with my L-type rhyme. Got the style. Make you wanna like mad combined. Connect four. Coming through the rap night door. You know the style. The man he be the map come on, come on, come on, go space, hit Yo. me with a taste. You want me to say that with one shot, forget me not. Ghostface blows the spot, popping niggas like Ronnie Lott. But of course, yeah. Wu-Tang Clan made the source in no time. Niggas got flipped and tossed off the single. Uh. Hitting like a bell when I jingle. A fat rap dose of the ghost is what I bring you. At last, the Wu-Tang Clan got me gas. Label is an outcast, the beat got smashed. Man. So back up, Dorches uh. man buck with real ass. Like shorty hooded up in the church with two max. Thoughts react so fast, I'm so sick. So quick to jig a nigga up with an ice pick. Uh. I'm stranded, facing your peace, I'll be yeah, the one. Bitch, it goes facing the sun, be on the run, reject that. Brothers wouldn't never expect that. Running up on the guard ghost, what's to catch my technique? The words I speak, soup to freak. I get deep, like killing George, pushing asleep. Untold, no one seen shit, no one heard jack. I'm overseas counting G's, relax to lay back. Are you ready to face the consequences and suffer? I even take your mama, you ain't shit, motherfucker. Bring it and let that killer be kid sting it and represent. It's like heads up a brick when I swing it, get lost, I break you off something. I'm pumping like a reba with a pump from the jumping. You was nothing. Bet you thought your freaking clan had your back when they was frontin'. Smoking dirt blossom, fucking after starts and get just a neck and come without the bullet. What you bossin'? Get your ship sunken, messing with this drunken, master disaster, right in the rap function. Listen, who said the Wu-Tang clan was it you or your man? You wanna point the finger? I'll bring ya 36 chambers, be out. You's in danger. Let me pull your brain out your ass with a hanger. Hitting mama tell you not to talk to a stranger. Now you got your neck in the noose of the strangler. Just recline. Keep the meth in mind. I'll even test a knuckle check on the hands of time. Nonchalantly, I roll up on the rap scene bluntly. And lamp like I'm knocking off keys, collecting monthly. My nickel paid a pattern of stacks, rips 
Mr. Gavin. I build like I'm stacking the log to making cabin. Running wild in midtown, hit the ground quick. Mad bodies being lost and found, no one can stop me. Cause that's a sin. You know, error, one thing. I bring the MCs to be terror. Kick dirt on jerks and shit. I'll be the expert. Catch a hole in your shirt, John. I do work. Ghost face, maxing in a hall of fame place. Suicidal blends that kick like North Lake. Surviving crazy live when I flips the track. I hit a reverend in the head with a bat. And do his head in the showcase. In the glass box with no case. Who did it? Now the new style, like Buckshot and my man King Josh, I'ma come with the harmonized style. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Check it out, check it out. I got 36 styles on my mind, on my mind. Keep it real, Shaolin, represent one time. All my peoples, are you with me? Where you at? All my killer bees on attack, where you at? Throw your fucking hands in there if you want them there. If you got your gas pill a cap for the new year, bodies in motion. What's the commotion? Wu-Tang Clan. Be attacking your emotion Flowing like the ocean blue I'll be coming for your crew Flying guillotine style with the name Met the gal, is it going, is it going, is it going If I ain't on your record, then this shit ain't really on One man fan from the Wu-Tang Clan Ask who the man got, damn it be mapping Here I, here I am in the plan Hey, hey, what, what? I gotta get it going on, yeah, down the stair. Hey, hey, I swing funky rap routines, attack the jaws, find the 20 points, then you still can't score. Nothing, cause you ain't got no points in this game, bitch, you frontin'. I'm home run hitting, you be runtin'. Fresh out the toilet, I got my shit together. When I'm good, I'm good, when bad, I'm better. You want it, whatever, I'll be the stormy weather. Rain coming down, the weather lip your lever. Jacket, a nigga with an ass, couldn't hack it. Let's walk